everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Mid-Mac Show, a place about games, friends, getting better, and mediocre microphones that we apologize for, but only me. My name is Ben Hansen, but I'm joined by the pristine crew, as we like to call them, the finest AV setups around the land. We have Sarah Fazorski. Hello. We have Kyle Hilliard. What are you running from, Ben? Who are you running from? <laughs> so, yeah, people in the backstage fast watching us live say it looks like I'm either in a dorm room or I'm on the run. Um, I am in an Airbnb in Puerto Rico, wrapping up a vacation. I'm flying back tomorrow. Um, and so I'm in my very uh, boring looking room. But trust me, it's a beautiful tropical ocean <laughs> like scene right through this window. If only you could see it, you would love it. Um, but I'm also joined by Leo Vader. Hi. My, my window's beautiful too, but I wasn't going to mention it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, Jacob Geller, welcome, sir. I'm here. Uh, ben, if you adjust your posture just a little bit, it'll look like there's like a little flame coming out of your ear. Oh, yeah, you what like is that? that? Is that a fire alarm? <laughs> That's my Burger King crown. Wait, oh, what are you wearing it? The Call of Duty Burger. I'll save it for a community question before I put it on. Oh, yeah, okay. we made a little TikTok and Instagram reel and YouTube short, I guess, of visiting. There's one wacky Burger King in Puerto Rico in San Juan and they reskinned the entire thing for just wild promotions. And so it was like an entire Burger King skinned for Modern Warfare 3, which is just like the level of stupid of like, I saw it as we drove by and I'm like, I'm sorry, dear wife and child, but like I gotta go look inside that building to see what it's like. And it was weird. And I don't and know it why it's just Burger one King. Burger King. My favorite part is that you bought a burger and took a bite and were like, it's good. It's like, is it is it like Call of Duty theme? It's, it's it is. It was a Call of Duty combo. It was a Call of Duty burger. Yeah, but it's like, what do you what do you do? I just didn't want it to make it seem like I'm it's, promoting it's it. Like familiar, I think it's familiar. Cool. It's familiar, but super solid, right? It's like they really locked it in. It's you it's know, it doesn't have a lot of bugs or anything. Year, but we all gave it a four this time. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you were like the point. only person in there. Like the place looked empty except for you being in there. Well, I was trying to film. The well, everyone was door. at the Call of Duty Warzone Burger King, is what was going on. <laughs> yeah, it was the McDonald's down the street. It was blowing up. But I was trying to film the uh, uh, bathroom door from the outside, like a gentleman, like a Mr. Respect. <laughs> Just to see who so, came out. <laughs> Just to <laughs> respect. And so they had, like, you know, soldiers on the <laughs> door and stuff. And then somebody was, like, walking into the bathroom, and I really felt like the biggest creep in the world. Like, oh, sorry. And then just tried to go, hey, hey, how's it What going? was on the bathroom door that needed filming? You gotta see this video, Sarah. You're gonna lose it. There's a picture of a little soldier, and then I think a soldier in a wheelchair. They've got it all at this Burger King. Very accepting. Wow! And now um, you get to write off the whole trip. <laughs> That's smart. It is. It is sad, but like trying to convince my wife to let me go there and film this thing, I was like, "Hey, we get a free lunch. Min Max will pay for the lunch. This could be." Bad. And then there's like there's one comment on there though, like, "I hope you didn't eat at Burger King the whole time you're in Puerto Rico." Like. I was here for two and a half weeks. It was one meal. Everybody. I love the internet. Representing everything you do. Yeah. Speaking speaking of that, we're going to be talking about the internet uh, on this very episode because on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the two tens in retrospect. We've wrapped up our game of the year debates. I know it just seemed like last week to you, but for us, that was last year, y'all. Um, but we're going to quote unquote correct the list because what we've done is we had a big poll in the MinMax Discord and on Patreon. Uh, Neil Smith, the mod, really uh, tackled a lot of this. So th thanks to Neil there. Um, we got 480 responses and we now have a list of the quote unquote correct two tens. 
where we have the community's ultimate ranking of actually the best games for 2023. And this is the hive mind that nobody can disagree with. If you want a scientific list, this is as scientific as it gets. All you cowards out there, where's an objective list? This is it. This is it. So look for that, everybody. I hope you had fun commenting on our list because you cannot comment on this one. <laughs> That's right. I very rarely uh, look at the r slash minmax subreddit, even though I'm full. Ooh. I'm sure it's full of lovely people. But did you see is, yeah. that uh, Golden Banana Reviews did our mathematical two tens? Yeah, we broke that down in this episode of Party Chat as well, our bonus podcast. Mm. Uh, so it's we a really that good list. Like, it's super good. It's maybe <laughs> even better. <laughs> it's interesting. I don't, I, know. So. I don't know if that counts, because if, if Baldur's Gate could be one through five on my list, it would have been. Right. Number two was basically meaningless to you. You just had. Yeah. I mean, everything. Pe- it was like the distance, like with Leo and Hitman, the distance between Baldur's Gate three and the rest of my list. Miles. Leagues. <laughs> 10,000 leagues of, under the sea. Jesus. But speaking of which, speaking of uh, our list, our personal list, our top tens, it's a little bit dry just for everyone to run down their top tens and all that stuff. But there's a link in the description for this podcast on YouTube or in the podcast app uh, for a public post on Patreon where we rounded up all of our top tens, which is how people came to the quote-unquote mathematical two tens. So it has all of our top tens. It has friends of the show in there. We have Jenna Stieber's top ten. Serial Vasquez with top 10, Jason A. Stryker from Giant Bomb. He was on uh, talking about Street Fighter 6. That's in there. Brandon Jones, formerly of the Allies. Haley DeBoom, guest of the podcast, who got her top 10 in there. There's a nice. Place. She was great. A ton of fun stuff. Yeah, so uh, check that out, everybody, in the link below if you want to see everybody's actual uh, personal top 10s for the year and, and a whole lot more. Um, Sarah, how are you feeling about the two 10s in, in retrospect, though? Um, I'm glad it's over. Really, and I'm you, I'm ready to I'm ready to watch you roast on the spit of the Final Fantasy VII remake that I had to this year. Yeah, I don't have like a horse next pressure. year. Yeah, so I'm I'm ready to see you go to bat. It's nice yeah. having not like a year that like a, not a big game comes out that you care about. Because you we call like, it twenty twenty one. You're very <laughs> sure of that on January tenth of yeah. No, no, I've I've seen the writing on the wall. I'm good. <laughs> It is weird because there's part of it where it's like it's almost easier if it's like, well, I know my fight is to champion Baldur's Gate 3, but then I'm not trying to project too much, but it feels like you're a person who maybe feels a little bit of that, like the pressure, the burden of like, if I don't champion this, I'm going to let down every fan of that game and every developer who worked on Baldur's Gate 3 and my family and well, my it country. Was, it was, you know, more Future so kids. like the turnaround of it being the underdog. Right. You know, because in the beginning, you guys were like, no one's going to play that game. And I was like, fine. You know, another year where no one likes the games that Sarah plays. But then mm-hmm. it looked like I had a chance. And then it was like, oh, the pressure is getting worse. Well, the funny thing yeah. is, I think, did any of us really play it a lot? <laughs> other than Sarah on this call? No. <laughs> on this call. I'm in, a, I'm in a room of men who didn't play Baldur's Gate 3. This I am in hell. Test. I am in hell right now. <laughs> <laughs> what a nightmare. I do think, you know, I on the big list. It. Hey, I'm you. I played it with you, Sarah. You saw my. I don't, don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear your your niceties, your excuses. <laughs> it won. It freaking won, yeah, Sarah. We, we can't be dragged back to the pissy zone. Um, but it is funny. Like in the pissy zone, if you're not familiar, that's at the ten dollar tier. We stayed on the call for like an extra forty minutes after the last recording of the two tens, and just let her rip for all of her real feelings. We didn't talk about it there, but I was thinking over this break, sitting on a Puerto Rican beach. Just looking out at the ocean, ignoring my wife and child a lot, just thinking like, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think we let Baldur's Gate three go up against Hitman Freelancer. I feel like Hitman Freelancer was like shooting up. It took out Zelda, 
And then we all just said, well, there's a brick wall before Baldur's Gate 3. And moving on, that's the end of the podcast. And a deep part of me wonders if it could have toppled the, the king and queen up there with Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> I would have loved to have that conversation, but I don't think so. No. I think it's uh, fine where it is. I'm excited for future Game of the Years where I will go back to having nothing I really care about that much. See, Leo agrees. <laughs> There's so much more fun when you don't have like your game on the list. But it's also really special to have something you really feel that passion for. Yeah. I'd, I'd right. be surprised uh, if we see that super soon. Because uh, it was Leo like by the end of the year, year last year, it was just like, oh, I kind of am feeling that the vote might be split enough amongst all these great games that I could get Freelancer up there and like starting to realize... <laughs> That could be a possibility. Like that was you really were playing exciting. Playing against, against each other, Leo. <laughs> a little bit. I was amazed by the amount of prep you did, Leo. I forget if it was in that bonus podcast with Dan Reichert where you talked about like going back to listen to old two tens debates just so you can formulate your argument. And was part of that lesson like I know I need to get it number one on the list first because sliding it is <laughs> is where the the hurdles really are at. <laughs> Definitely. I said, if I could be the first one to volley a game, those those don't move. <laughs> At least it feels like it's you're tragic. burning calories as a group. And, you know, people don't want to exert too much. So any sliding around, it does factor in, I think, a little bit. For Not sure. And of course, I, I, I had faith in my argument, too. But, like, that was a little sure. strategy thing of, of seeing that happen uh, repeatedly. We'll have to have a contest next year of some kind to see who gets to go first. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Nine-way uh, rock, paper, scissors. Leo broke the system, called, you know, called <laughs> out its issues. This is like the Jeopardy thing where you start just hitting all the bottom ones to see if you can get the daily double first. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, it is It is fun to read. By the way, thank you to everybody who helped share the 210s and had nice things to say. We were truly humbled by the amount of people uh, that really seemed to enjoy it and, and uh, got a kick out of, out of the debates. Um, Leo, I, I mean, you're you're a fan. I feel like especially those people that are like, oh, I used to really love the Giant Bomb debates. And I, I feel like MinMax has something pretty close because Giant Bomb has changed their formula, I think, in a lot of smart ways. But it does. I feel like we're kind of purposely almost trying to call back to the Giant Bomb Game of the Year stuff. So whenever I see those comments like on Reddit or something, I'm like, oh, that's what gets you by core. It's like these people, it seems like it's in the same vein. And when people uh, lobby for a more point-based system that's like where the faith in it comes from is from you and I coming up on those old game of the year debates of like, and we really believe in it as a vehicle for this and making yeah. conversations happen that even if you say we're going to do it mathematically and then we're going to talk about all of them, you just don't talk about them in the same way. And it doesn't end up as, as fun to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And it's fun reading all the comments though. And every once in a while there's one of those like, Oh wait, did we miss this? Like Kerbal space program two was one was like, oh, I think Jeff Lum dug it this year, but maybe he didn't factor it in because it's early access? Or one that made me lose sleep at night was Blasphemous 2, Jacob. Did, did What happened with that? I, I thought you really liked it. No, uh, you know, I oh. mean, it's like I, I thought I thought it was very good, which is okay. different from me really liking it. You know, and that's like that's that was one of the kind of like the weird calculations that you do in your head of like i really like this game versus i think it should be on min max's list or like i think this game yeah. is very good but i don't like like it or you know it's like there are these kind of like you don't realize that you're categorizing games in these very specific ways until it's like choose the number you know choose choose if you want to argue this and so it was like you know humanity is a game that i loved but it was like it just didn't it didn't feel like a min-max list game. And so I was like, not, you know, not going to fight for that. And like, 
Blasphemous was like, I don't have passion for this, even though technically it is, you know, very accomplished. Right, right. Yeah, All versus right. something like if it was a group list that didn't have this on it, it would not be representing the group because my love for it is like a big part of our communal experience with games mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, I think you're the only person that finished it, maybe, but did you think about Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty? That seems like one that in retrospect is like, ooh, did we just not list that? That seems bizarre. Yeah, my my thought on Cyberpunk, which is very hipster of me, but I really liked Cyberpunk the year it came out. Like, I put it on my top ten list. Yeah. I, I absolutely recognize the shortcomings that people had with that game. But, like, I played and beat it and had a, and, like, really didn't run into a lot of bugs and really enjoyed it. So every time I've checked back in with Cyberpunk, including that DLC, it's been a matter of, like, oh, this is, this is, they've cleaned up even more, and I'm just revisiting that thing that I liked. And that, that's kind of how I felt about that DLC. It was a nice excuse to play more Cyberpunk with all the new bells and whistles. But it didn't... Yeah pushed me over the edge of appreciation that it did for a lot of other people because my appreciation for cyberpunk was already pretty high as it was. Yeah. I remember that was a weird one. I'm trying to remember if we included it in 2021s or we just said we might, because I think all of us as a group like liked it in 2020. So that's interesting wrinkle there that we already yeah. kind of got its flowers and whatnot. There Which, is, um, yeah. I, I was looking at a Metacritic list of just like highest rated games, whatever. I think if Slay the Princess came out one mm. month earlier, it would have been in our two tens mm-hmm. because like I think I, Haley and Sarah played that and all really enjoyed it. And it's like that is it's like the sixth highest rated game of the year, which, you know, is not what we're really? basing our decisions of. But like. That game, I think, is going to just continue to kind of pick up like a cult following. And yeah, I just I just didn't feel like I had enough time to kind of simmer on it, which my guess is probably similar to how the other people felt. But like that game, if, if that game came out in like October, we would have been talking about it. I think you're right. There's a lot of just weird flukes like that. It's not a science, as we said a thousand times, but uh, hopefully you all enjoyed it. Um, so we have some lists from the community. And these are science. Um, one of them, this isn't this isn't the real ranking, to be clear. We're going to get to that in a bit. But what this is, uh, Neil the Mod, I thought it was really interesting, where he listed the top 10 most underrated games of 2023, according to the hive mind of the MinMax community. And these are games that not a lot of people had on their lists, but the people who had them on their lists ranked them very highly. And Slay the Princess made me think of that. So these are games that are not on a lot of people's lists, but if they were on a list, they were like number one or two type of thing. You know? So it feels like it's an underrated gem type of category. Um, Number 10 on this, Octopath Traveler 2. There we go. It's just getting awards left and right. Uh, Number 9, Blasphemous 2. Number 8, for most underrated games from the Mid-Max community, Street Fighter (laughs) 6. Number 7 is Hitman Freelancer. Well, overrated, actually, if you ask me. But uh, <laughs> n- number six is Horizon Forbidden West: Burning Shores, the DLC, which that, also didn't I come up. I completely uh. forgot that that came out last year. At I don't think I heard a single person talk about that after the month it released. Well, to be fair, uh, Janet and Jeffum tried, and I kept just muting their mics. If you remember the <laughs> podcast, it was a drastic move. Um, number five is Cassette Beast, which we did talk oh, about sure. the podcast. Yeah. That was a fun Pokemon style game. Um, there's kind of like Pokemon black and white art. Um, number four is Marvel's Midnight Suns. They included it here. It's interesting. Probably a smart move. Give it its due. That, uh, that number- make the two tens in 2022? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, but we had barely started it. It was one of those types yeah, of things yeah. where I think like Jacob was pretty hot on it, even out of the gate. And it, me yeah, and Jeff I, had played it and were really hot on it. There we I go. I saw it on a few of uh, 2024 lists, which I think is fair, you know, because it is such a big yeah. game. 2023 list. But 2023, yeah. thank you. Uh, the Talus Principle 2 for number three. Now we're getting to the fun territory. Uh, number two for the most underrated games, according to the Minimax community, Honkai Star Rail, which to be fair to us, you know, we said it's probably great. We just didn't get around to playing it. Um, and then number one, this is again what made me think of Slay the Princess, Void Stranger. Void Stranger oh, was yeah. the real hidden gem of 2023. Where <clears throat> if you haven't seen it, it's like black and white oh. Game Boy game that I guess goes to some really bizarre places. Um, but I, I put it in my mind together with Slay the Princess just for black and white game that's big on Steam. Those were, yeah, I think I think Void Stranger is pretty systems heavy, uh, but those were like like the best reviews that I read last year were of Void Stranger. It seemed like people who played that all the way through were like, no, 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 this is good. I got to tell you why. Yeah. But it, then it I didn't under, play it. under a thousand reviews on Steam. Really? Yeah. Cool. So I guess just beloved for the people that play through it. Um, but now for the real community two tens. This is the whole hive mind on Patreon and in the Minmax Discord. They've been voting uh, <clears throat> for weeks now to lock down the objective list. Are y'all ready for this? Mm. Yes. Number mm. twenty, Thera. If you choose to believe it, do you all want to do like trivia for these where you try and guess it? No, is that more fun? that's no. too many trivia's. No, immediately no. Okay. I okay, mean, but you some could, of some of you could though. you could do box office game. You could give us little hints, maybe just for like I don't know five through one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Number twenty is a game that barely any of us played. I think some of us played it for a while and we're like, "This not." We know it's good. It's just not really hitting for us. But it's it's the fourth entry in a huge franchise, Juggernaut. It's a we, little we bit. Just said we don't. Yeah, wait. Do we're, we're pretty <laughs> so, unanimous on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, going off Jacob. Some of them can be little trivia. Top five. Yeah, the top five. <laughs> okay, so number that's, twenty though, it's like for some. This one, number it's 20. like it's spooky. Uh, the cinematic in the beginning has a blood cape in it. Yeah, I think backstage pass called it. Is it Diablo Four? Is that right? It's Diablo Four. There. Yeah. What, what do you got there? All right, what, are, what are you drinking? Iced coffee. Nice. Oh, it's all right with cool, you. Man. No, it, it is cool. Yeah, I thought it was like a white Russian. I thought you were in a whole new phase for 2024. <laughs> it's a drink that perks uh, you up and uh, is quite tasty. <laughs> Heavily referenced uh, okay. in the Coen Brothers film. Number 19 on the Objective 210s. Sarah, this one's published by Square. No, uh, this is Octopath Traveler 2. Uh, okay. Number 18 is the Dead Space remake. Number 17, Pikmin 4, which... I got to say, in the pissy zone, Janet brought up the point that I also lost sleep about, where she's like, look, say what you will. I know it's not the most exciting game, but when it comes to just which games are the best design games of 2023, like, you're telling me there's 20 games better than Pikmin 4? <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, that's just that's, a smooth drink of water. That's one that I let go pretty quickly and, and maybe in in reflection was like, yeah, maybe I maybe I let that one die too fast. I, I Yeah. Uh, but it's a very good game. I love Pikmin 4. It's a very good game. It's a very good yeah. game. Uh, okay, number 16, Street Fighter 6. Number 15, Lies of P. That's where it belongs, Jacob. Not in the upper tens. <laughs> All right, I think six six lower, and then that's it. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
14 is Cocoon. 13, Starfield. Oh, All right. Uh, from the community. Yeah. Uh, number 12 is Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty. Gets up there pretty high. Number 11, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Yeah, a, Which, a game I returned to after we completed our two tens, and I did finish. Oh yeah, what'd you think? Yeah, I I I thought I I think that game starts rough and gets better and better and better as it goes and ends really strong. I think that that game ultimately is quite good. I don't regret it not being on our two tens. I don't think I would have fought for it, but like yeah. after I I don't remember the timeline, but something came out pretty close to its release. Was it Zelda? It might have been Zelda. Oh, yeah, I, I think mean, it was. I think it was, yeah. Like, because I had played the first, like, four or five hours, and the second Zelda showed up, I was like, bye, Star Wars, I'm sorry. Uh, and, like, d- didn't look back for months and months. Um, but it really, it, it it really, the traversal stuff gets, like, really cool later, and it gets closer to, like, classic Prince of Persia than even the first one did in a yeah. way that I really liked a lot. And the story is interesting. It's the most engaged I've I have been in with Star Wars since, like, Last Jedi, probably. Like Jeez, I actually, right. I was like, nice. I actually wanted to see where it was going, what was going to happen, and the sort of the 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 final villain of the game is, is quite interesting and good. So like, a good game. I I really liked uh, yeah. Jedi Survivor quite a lot. I'm surprised that uh, yeah, over the break you're like, you know what, Jedi Survivor. That's that's where I'm putting all my chips. Yeah, it was. I had that in Final Fantasy 16 in front of me because like it's like this. That's the only couple weeks where I feel like completely free to play whatever i want truly like i can Mm. play whatever i want i have no obligation no professional obligation whatsoever to play something different uh during that time and yeah star wars was the one that i was like felt like i didn't give a fair shake and same for final fantasy i actually ended up restarting final fantasy and i'm like i'm like 75 80 percent through now you Um, restarted it yeah i I restarted it yeah i mean Because the the plan initially was like my wife and I were going to play together, and then we were just both like, we're, "This is not really grabbing us." And and she wanted to play like in story mode, and I was like, "Well, I want to play in action mode." So I just I decided to restart. Maybe maybe it was silly, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm and, really uh, trying I'm trying to finish that game before 2024 starts, which it it already has for nope. me. <laughs> I got, I got I, bad news, dude. Like we're we're way behind for twenty twenty four games. I know. Already. I'm I'm playing. I'm trying to rip through Final Fantasy, and then I'm playing Prince of Persia like at night in bed on the Switch. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, I can do this. I can get through Final I Fantasy mean, and still start my twenty twenty four. I can do this. The good news is that January and February really uh, only very short games that you couldn't <laughs> spend like hundred eighty hours on easily. Oh, good. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Glad to hear that. Like uh, a dragon, yeah. limited wealth should be an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I played yeah, Gaiden. That, that was way. pretty breezy. Like, Infinite Wealth is pretty close to that, I imagine, it's, right? It's, yeah. yeah. Just imagine that. But imagine if it's, like, that with, like, the new game plus over and over and over. It's kind of like a Starfield <laughs> situation. Just, you know, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, we should mention Prince of Persia. You're probably saying, where's your review for that? Come on, you cowards. Um, we are going to play more of it next week. We'll be talking about it in a big way and unpacking it on next week's episode of the podcast. But, uh, Kyle, because technically we're recording this on Wednesday for Backstage Passers, Based yeah. on your preview gameplay, how was Prince of Persia: The Lost Crown? Well, it's funny because I've actually literally not exceeded what I played for preview a few weeks oh, ago. Oh, perfect! All right, yeah. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying it so far. I really like what I've played, um, and that extends to like all factor, all facets of it, and like even the story. I'm like, ooh, where's this going? This is really cool and interesting. 
so I, I'm very excited to keep playing. I'm very excited to finish Final Fantasy 16 and put all of my efforts uh, into, into Prince of Persia. Look, I didn't want to bring up 16 just to have us uh, heap more mud on it because I do like the game. Yeah. But it is, it is sad that you're like, I'm very excited to get Final Fantasy 16 out of the way so I can get back to Prince of Persia. Yeah, I mean that's how I feel about it. I'm not over the moon for it. I do like I'm I'm sort of like it's a very uh the 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 very cinematic moments are worth seeing. And so kind right. of like sprinting between these big cinematic moments and I'm happy to see them if that makes sense. Like the big boss yeah, and- fights. You know, I just beat Bahamut right. so I can actually I which no, you guys had Good news, I, you I, can I, stop playing. Oh, that's it. <laughs> that's, Come on. That's kind of what West, uh, West LeBlanc told me over at Game Informer, too. He's like, because I was like, hey, how far am I? And he's like, well, get to Bahamut. If you've, if you've made it this far, at least see that part. And then, you know, I make will a decision say, then. I don't think you're 75 to 80 percent. Well, I'm well beyond that now. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of the thing we talked about a little bit during the G10s, I guess, is it's just. It desperately wants you to keep playing. It removes all friction. Like it'll tell you exactly where to go. It's not going to be that hard. And so it's a game that's very propelled to get you to the finish line. You know, which yeah. is which is which nice. Is like but Spider Man I mean, Two did as well, but yeah, much better. <laughs> if I'm being sure. Honest. Uh, but hey, I was thinking about characters, and I was like, oh, Sid's cool. I think I might like Dion from Sixteen more than Sid, even the Mister Bahamut himself. I was like, I thought he was kind of cool. You know who I like? Um, Mid. She's fine. Hang on. I'm going to watch the vein on Sarah's forehead. No, I'm not saying anything because then people will be like, Sarah's so negative. And nobody said anything nice here, but they're only going to say that I said something mean. That is that is true. When you come That's after true. Mid, you come after all men and all of men's names for Sarah. <laughs> it's outrageous. I don't, yeah, I don't understand. Great. It feels like everybody loves Dion, and it's like he didn't do anything. Like he just kind of shows up at the end and like steals Jill's thunder as like the, one of the boys. What is yeah, he like? And then he kills his. He's yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. He's a great complainer about things not going his way. He's I think really you guys just think that. he's hot. I'm he convinced this is some weird like gay. men thinking other men are <laughs> that's, hot. That's, that's probably yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. By the way, uh, Clive and Gav, they seem like they have a lot more connection. They're so Clive together. There's more okay, sexual right, tension crazy, between man. Clive and Gav than Clive and Jill. I, yeah, and okay. I'm fine I, with it. All right. I'm, I'm just glad, I'm glad, to, glad to get reassurance on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, you're going to say there's no tension between Clive and Jill, sir. You're going to have no. to <laughs> Have you seen Clive? The way Clive looks at Gav and the way Gav talks to Clive, they're totally in it together. It is sweet. It is sweet. Uh, hey, number 10 on this list, though, is uh, Sea of Stars. Right Great game. Uh, number nine, rev up your engines, Jacob. Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> As they like to say. Uh, number eight, this must be a typo, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. It was number eight the whole time, you guys. Um, mm. Number seven, Final Fantasy 16. Made it to number seven in the community wow. list. You wonder why people hate it so much when we don't say it's the second coming of Christ. And maybe there's your answer. There's a lot of love for it. Um, number six is Hi-Fi Rush. Number five. <clears throat> now the fun part starts. Time. Yes. Number five. Uh, Jacob, you brought it up in the 210s and you said, it's this game plus this other thing, which makes it even better. 
Ben, we've uh, all deleted that conversation from our mind. Oh, it's I really dramatic. Yeah, experience. it was like my I'm RAM was out. like exceeded. <laughs> uh, it's Resident Evil 4 about? in oh. separate ways. Yeah, oh, separate ways oh okay. Um, number four is a great spot for this game. The game that I keep coming back to Jacob. The game that Jacob said was no. He said it was just too fun to put on the list that high. It was too good. Oh yeah, Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Man. I'm sick of having fun in my games. He said loudly (laughs) into a microphone. Uh, Yeah, why is that your take? That game should be a punishment. I feel like we didn't get the full story on that. Well, actually, punish Jeff. Number three was the game that was a punishment, but this was a good punishment. Jacob? Alan Wake? There we go. Alan Wake 2. It's not a punishment. It's a delight. Um, Number two, according to the community, Sarah, what do you think it is? Is it because you said my name that it's Baldur's Gate 3? No, I I could have chosen everybody. Is it Baldur's Gate 3? It is Baldur's Gate 3. It is Baldur's (laughs) Gate 3. To be fair, our numbers are less. Our numbers are few, but we are strong. Sarah's great at trivia. I mean, your numbers are the most concurrent players on Steam ever, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, total sales-wise, I mean, I bet Baldur's Gate 3, because what, Zelda's at what, 20, 30 million, I think? That's a good question. I mean, Multi-platform. Baldur's Gate can't be too far behind, yeah, with all the platforms yeah. it's on now. Um, but then number one is Legend of Zelda, Man Tears of the Kingdom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I, I'm honestly surprised. I thought Baldur's Gate would, would be number one. Um, yeah. So that's cool. You know, if you're looking for measurements, I, I think the Baldur's Gate 3 uh, channel in the Midmax Discord has been the most active all year. So it's the most discussed game. That's worth discussed something. Game, thank you. To you. Thank you. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but hey, thank you so much to everybody who voted in the big community poll to determine scientifically the correct list of the two tens. Greatly appreciate it. Um, how are you all feeling? Do you all also get up in your head about that idea of. Like, oh, I'm never going to feel more recharged than I am right now after the big break. Like, do you all feel fresh and ready to go for 2024? No. No. I I, I still feel kind of exhausted. I don't know why. I I feel charged and ready, but still, like, I'm on vacation. So it's like this weird feeling of, like, I'm remoting into my computer back home, and I feel like I'm trying to get the year started while wearing two oven mitts, like, technically, you know, and just, like, organizationally. Mm-hmm. So I feel I feel pretty good. I'm looking forward and to that being... makes you feel good about 2024. I'm excited about things we have planned for 2024, which speaking of, uh, we have some medium sized announcements, I guess is the best way to put it uh, coming up next week. Um, it'll be a, a Patreon post where we're kind of outlining some some positive changes to MinMax here that I think people will be excited about. Um, no one's really joining and no one's really leaving, if uh, that's a, a hint for anybody. Um but I guess there's kind of an asterisk next to a positive version of that. But, um, yeah, I, I am excited for for the year up ahead. And so I'm excited to get home and have, like, a day of just fully going down my to-do list and, like, you know, getting the new overlays ready for 2024 and those redesigns and, yeah, prepping up, like, oh, those are things we're changing and stuff. But I shouldn't be there as your head shaking. I don't know. You're just, you're just, you're, you just terrify me as a person. Because I dragged <laughs> my my beaten and battered corpse into the year 2024 and i threw myself <laughs> over that finish line and i said let's go i'm so still here i'm really excited to do new overlays yeah Sarah. and now i gotta put in a new overlay with a chat <laughs> feature figure out how that works don't spoil it um yeah I, well i did see your streams were all like 
2024 is the year of rot. Let's soak in our disgusting <laughs> Yeah, rot. no, I'm, yeah, 2024, I'm lowering rotten. my standards. I'm lowering my expectations. Yes. Like, I'm here to rot. Where, where's that coming from? I'm tired. Rot I'm tired. Like, when do I just get to coast? You're going on vacation all next week. Yeah, and that's where I'm going to rot, in Mexico. Oh. <laughs> on the sands. That's sounds, that sounds oh, beautiful. Yeah. Hey, uh, Sarah, I know you lived in L.A. for a while. But yeah. and I think it's just being a real Minnesota lake boy, but like spending this much time by the ocean, it's really, it's really become fascinating on a kind of dorky level. Like it turns out things are changing all the time. It's just fun to like wake up every morning and be like, I don't know how tall these waves are going to be today. Some days Have they're like, you discovered the tides? Is this don't even Minnesota get me started on man these tides. discovers tides? <laughs> I was, I forget where I was. We were on some vacation at some point. I really embarrassed myself by like asking a tour guide or like somebody at a restaurant or something like, um, like what time is low tide every day? And they're like, no, it, it does not work that way. you idiot. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole different system, but no, like it's just, it's wild. Cause like, it's not based on the wind. And some mornings you go out there and I do a little bodyboarding in the morning. That's like the most fun thing ever. And sometimes the waves are like huge, like way taller than me. And they just destroy me. Other times I'm paddling around trying to find something cool, but it's just, it's fun to like spend so much time next to the ocean that you feel like, you start to appreciate like this is really this is really changing on a daily basis and like we have uh, neighbors at this airbnb who've lived here for a long time and they were walking through just like you know obviously with hurricane maria a lot changed here but they were just talking about like how much has changed over just the last six years on this beach and it's like oh yeah like houses have crumbled into the ocean and like there's like remnants of a house over here that's actually the top floor of the house because the sand has just like covered up everything else and it's just it's fun to appreciate nature on a weird big level and learn to understand the ocean. <laughs> it's I love much it. more dynamic It's than fun you to realize. come face to face with the results of global warming. That house well, used to not be underwater. I mean, it was one hurricane. Um, I can't believe also, that the community didn't vote for two oceans for New yeah. Show Plus. And so when you're just you're trying clearly to sneak so it in passionate. here. <laughs> yeah, for Plus, we were going to stream the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean. I was really excited about that. And the plan was. I'll reveal it now because it didn't win. Uh, the plan was it was going to be like a stream of the ocean and stuff. But then I was just going to set up my camera and then just jump out and go swimming and go bodyboarding. And then the stream would just be me bodyboarding. I mean, you can't be upset ocean. when plans don't win when you don't fully communicate what your plan is. You know, I you can't it keep it as a little surprise. surprise. I get it. I get it. But also, uh, I'm curious to see how it would go. And again, I'm looking for people who are hip to the ocean to tell me if I'm too much of a dweeb. Um but I was out there swimming on like one of the early days uh, that we got here. And I was like looking in the water because it's not that deep. It's decently deep. Uh, it's the ocean. And then like I turned around and was like waving to my wife. And I'm like, there's a fish that just went by me. That's like four or five feet big. She's like, what? That's wild. And then it swam back. And I was like, no, that's absolutely a shark. Uh, and so I had the weird moment of like, I'm just going to get out of the ocean for a little bit and do a little research. Like, oh yeah, there's Caribbean reef sharks all over the place. Um, they're super common in the shallow waters. Um, Are they friendly? And then it was a real moment of like feeling like I triumphed over nature where it's like the end of Home Alone of walking out like, I'm not afraid anymore. And and it went back in and it was kind of, especially if I had a couple of drinks in me, like I was hoping to see that shark again. Like I know they're not going to bite me. I know there's like <laughs> such a small percentage chance. So it's just cool to be in a body of water and maybe see a shark swim by you. But and you could take is that, it. I, I just want to see it. I want to like rub up against it a little bit, I think. But I don't know. Ocean people, let me know. Is that 
is it a very Midwestern stupid idea to even be scared of sharks? I guess is my question. No, I no. mean, like, I think, you know, keep your distance from all wildlife on when I lived in L.A., you have to like if you go out into the ocean, you're supposed to like shuffle your feet a little bit because there's um, stingrays in the ocean. Ooh. And like if you step on a stingray, it's like game over for you. So you have to like shuffle your feet and like kind of stay away from the seals. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. We come from lakes where there's not a lot of like predators you know there's not a lot to look out for yeah that's like the scariest thing thing. um besides like leeches that you could get involved with a fish started biting my nipple in a minnesota lake (laughs) really oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) it bit my nipple a couple times it was really weird i got out we were chilling by the water somebody else went swimming and they're like whoa ow and i was like did a fish just bite your nipple and he was like yes were you guys lactating (laughs) yeah Lactating okay, yeah. blood at a certain point. <laughs> but just imagine if that was a Caribbean reef shark, Leo. How cool would you be? <laughs> He'd be dead. <laughs> a little nipple Not nibble. Cool yeah, that, um, what a story that would be. Yeah. Turns out it was hey. a shark. <laughs> <laughs> you can just say that. I mean, that's where legends come from. Just start it, man. Where I think Pecos yeah. Bill got to start. North Carolina has uh, lakes that have like like brain-eating uh, yeah. you know, parasites or, we have those or too. whatever. We those Which I assume I got at some point, and that's why I feel the way I do about video <laughs> games. <laughs> uh, we were all talking about like what we played over the break and stuff like that in our Monday meeting. Uh, the one that really captured my imagination for being so bizarre and so cool. Jacob, you played Chrono Trigger through its entirety? Yeah. I mean, hang on, I'm sorry. Sarah scoffed. Should not no, be that no, no, in no, love no. with the idea of like, playing Chrono no, Trigger. I just I knew when like Jacob said he was playing Chrono Trigger, I was like, well, there goes the podcast. <laughs> like <laughs> my best friend is playing my favorite game. Yeah, there goes the podcast to Good Podcast Town USA. <laughs> beep, beep, population five this more whole, people. Min Max was built on the back of Chrono Trigger in in some small way. <laughs> well, and here's the thing: I I listened to the whole deepest dive like as I was playing through it at the correct oh, nice. intervals, oh, which really? was really fun because nice. I was like I was like I want someone to talk to about this game, and then instead I could just pretend that I was talking to these people who are now my coworkers. Oh, weird. Okay, so okay, hold first on. Time. Can we zoom, can we zoom out and just get like a bit a baseline? Like, did you like it? Like, did it hold yeah. up for you? Oh, yeah, cool. I really I really liked it. I so I was I was feeling guilty that I first I was feeling guilty that I hadn't played any of the JRPGs that Kelsey liked um <laughs> during during the you know 210s. And then I thought, well maybe I should play Sea of Stars because that feels more approachable than starting like Octopath or something. Um and then I thought, well if I'm going to play Sea of Stars, I've never played Chrono Trigger. Oh my god. Why why not? And I I do kind of like to spend the end of the year doing kind of like a, you know, there's no there's no pressure. I'm not playing any new releases. Let's do some like kind of gaming homework or like let's let's play a classic while there's no pressure to play new stuff. Um and I did and I I thought it was great. Yeah, it what what was the biggest hurdle? Like going back to a game from 1995. For a lot of folks, there's going to be some learning curve or something that's just convoluted. I'm trying to remember, even from the deepest dive, if there's any areas that we thought were kind of a pain in the butt. I mean, I, I the biggest hurdle, honestly, was not age. It was genre in that, like, I mm. have really not played a, like, true kind of turn-based RPG uh, before. You know, I've played kind of variations. I played Yakuza Like a Dragon last year. But, like, you know, the kind of classic turn-based battle thing and the chrono trigger battle system is like even more kind of chaotic because 
everyone is like recharging at different rates so it's kind of not turn-based um but like i just found it very challenging because i am not used to the genre and so i had to kind yeah. of like learn how to do the battle system in a way yeah i think like the masa and mune fights kind of like a real skill check like i remember that one being a challenge at least i mean the, like back when i played it then i i am so used to final bosses not being that hard and yeah. like, I really struggled with the final boss uh, with this one. Did you like the design of Lavos at the end for the final fight? Like, because he has so many, it's such a weird cosmic entity. And I love that idea. But then it's just kind of, here's multiple phases of just attack a weird blob on the left or right. It's it's cool how abstract it is, but it's almost too abstract for its own good. Yeah, I I don't know. It got weird. I think the I so I played the Steam version, which I think had actually more generous checkpointing than the original in that it would kind of like bookmark areas. But there was a large section of that Lavos fight where I died and I would have to fight the boss on the like black spaceship first and yeah. then and then Lavos being all the bosses that you fought before. I had to go through like that whole rush like four times and it, uh, so it was I, I was i was feeling you know i was definitely feeling the kind of like oh this game is giving friction it is not a spider-man 2 where it's fun every 30 seconds <laughs> yeah um uh, but like i i, I what what y'all said on the um the deepest dive which i agree with is like all the characters are cool which is yeah. the biggest thing where it's just like none of the characters are uninteresting except for uh magus um but you know, it's like sure. every everyone got their little like story beat loyalty mission thing. And like I did all of them and uh, they were just also kind of like compellingly written. Yeah, the one where Chrono or sorry, when uh, Robo is just like farming in the fields for hundreds of years. being oh, a, a good. I love good that. Yeah. Oh, my dude. God. So and sweet. then you you find him and he's freaking like completely dead or whatever and then and then luca just kind of like turns a wrench on him and he wakes up again but uh yeah I, it's weird that they only do the time travel stuff like almost at the end game like it takes so long to get the ship and be able to freely yeah. move between time periods and that's like every side mission is then at that point where you could ostensibly just go you know finish the game yeah I remember it, when I think back on that game now, I mainly think of like that scene around the campfire where they're just talking about the quote unquote entity. Um, in the deepest dive discussion, was I gushing over that scene or has it grown with time of just like how cool and strange it is just to be like, is this game acknowledging itself? Is it acknowledging the players, acknowledging God? Like, what is this discussion? It was so strange. You did talk about it. Um, I don't think you talked about it enough just because oh, of how cool I think it was. So like, yes. you know, if you spent time on it. But like, if I was there, we would have spent even more time on it. <laughs> I did. I did. To, uh, I talked to Mastocato the writer for that game in a Minmax interview. And we have a clip on YouTube where it's him, where I was trying to just nail down, like, what was that? What was the entity? Was it earth? Was it God? Was it the player? Um, so he shares his thoughts on that. And it's still fun. Cause I think every once in a while, I also made a standalone video, which is maybe where I really gushed about it. Just talking about like, what is the entity? Every once in a while, I still get YouTube comments and they're like, it's I forget what they say. You know, it's Magus, you idiot. Or like some specific thing like that, where it's like, well, actually, the writer of the game says otherwise, so let me direct you to this other YouTube video. 
Anyways, that, that's so sweet. Does it feel good to do gaming homework like that? Yeah, well, so I played I played that, and then I also played Metal Gear Solid for something rotten. No. And so, like, having having those two games back-to-back was, like, it just, it, it feels like, you know the thing where you, like, watch The Godfather and you realize that there have been 20 Simpsons bits that have referenced yes. The Godfather and you didn't <laughs> get them until now? Like, that's kind of the feeling I have playing these games where it's like, I've seen so many parodies of these not even realizing what they were parodying and now i now i can yeah it, and it's just like so many games and indie rpgs that are trying to have the heart that chrono trigger has and i hope it still comes through just like the tone and the characters and just the sweetness of that overall game that i always feel i'm you know too sensitive to it but i'm always just like i don't know I, I, if you're just trying to replicate that tone it feels a little bit like you know studios that are like we're trying to make a team eco style game where it's like well Good luck. That's a very specific tone to hit, and I don't think he got it in yet. Like, you need to really be uh, a, a light, you know, hit by lightning to make that happen. I feel like Chrono Trigger and kind of the heart of Chrono Trigger is a similar way. But I haven't finished CSRs, and people definitely say that it's getting close, right, Kyle? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I, I mean, the fact that you just played Chrono Trigger, I, I feel like I shouldn't recommend. Well, now you can go play Sea of Stars because it's like, you know, you've had a very similar experience. I don't know if you want to jump into that right away, but maybe someday in the future, if you have a Chrono Trigger itch come back, like Sea of Stars is, is fantastic. And it uh, yeah. it, it, it uh, capitalizes on on the things that made Chrono Trigger so great and, and still has its own identity for sure. Hey, speaking of homework, you can't do homework without a house. And that's where Sarah Pazorski comes oh, wait. barging in. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Real, Hang real on. Quick. Kyle has to ruin this segue. Yes. I, yeah, I'm so sorry. I Because I did want to do a quick get a load of this because we're talking about Chrono Trigger. I just want to shout out on Netflix. There's a new anime that just premiered called Delicious in Dungeon. Um, it's based on very popular manga that my family has read the full manga. They love it. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Mitsuda did the soundtrack for that anime. Um, really? Yeah, which is just kind of a cool, interesting thing that I, I see a lot of people talking about it. It's already quite popular. People like the show, but not, not I don't think a lot of people know that Mitsuda did the music for it. So I just wanted to do show they that. Have the, uh, do they have the robot song in there? <laughs> da, 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 da. We've been singing that a lot in my house. Okay, Ben, go. <laughs> Speaking of houses, you can't have a house without a house. And, you, and if you have a house, you probably want to make it better. And that's why Sarah comes barging through with, Sledges as an homage to Rainbow Six Siege's weapons. Uh, sledges, sledgehammer. I don't know. You're going blind. Rope Leo into Sarah's uh, <laughs> improving houses and house flipper too. Okay, I was wondering if this was if you were gonna like switch at the last minute to the finals for Leo with like redoing <laughs> interiors. I thought you were gonna like do awesome. a right turn there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, house flipper two came out. It is. I mean, to be honest, house flipper one was it kind of just looked like a bunch of Unity assets. And then, like, a basic simulator right. game. But, like, I still have fun with it. And in House Super 2, they actually sort of actually made it a game. Um, they gave it a little more a little more plot. And they gave you a lot, of, a lot of options. You can now, like, actually demolish walls. And, like, put up new walls. You could, like, build an entire structure. You couldn't do that structure. in the original? Mm-mm. I think maybe Whoa. you weren't able to, like, really, like, knock down walls. Like, put in windows where you wanted to put in windows. Like, put in doors where you want to put doors. It was pretty, like, set in stone. Um, And all you could really do was sort of like clean, fix, decorate, paint, do all that kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, in this one, you can absolutely just demolish a home and there's so much more you can do with it. And they've added, I get a little like overwhelmed because they added like a full color wheel. It used to be you only would have like a few colors for furnitures, but now they're like, here's a full color wheel. Pick whatever color you want. 
And then here's a bunch of different material types from like wood to stone to plastic to metal. And then here's a bunch of patterns. And I'm like, this is like, this is too much. Like, you should just be like, here's an ugly unity couch next to another ugly unity couch. Like, pick the lesser ugly <laughs> unity couch. And now they've really sort of blown it up and kind of made it a lot more where you can actually get things like just the way you want them. Um, they also have it where you can like, literally, it's so detailed. You can attach lighting to specific switches before. It would just be like the room it was in. But now you Ooh, can okay. set lamps to like specific light switches. Which just feels so, it's like we're really getting down into like the minute details of House Flipper 2. And they also sort of, it used to just be houses in a neighborhood. But now they're like, here's a house on the beach. Here's a house in the woods. Like, here's a beach house. Here's a house in the, like, I don't know. It's kind of wild how much they've sort of like blown it up. And I just can't wait for them to add like the more fun stuff that they had in House Flipper 1. Because they did like really cool stuff for like Halloween where there was like haunted houses and while you're flipping the house there's like a literal ghost like they do like a bunch of like haunted house tropes on you like while you're just trying to clean the house um and then as you yeah as you clean it it goes away so they they have a lot of like really fun like community things as well um but yeah I'm just really impressed oh that's sweet yeah I like that first game it's one of those games that I played you know three hours of and it's like well this is just satisfying to clean up a house and improve and all that stuff but you had to like a little quest of like going yeah. out kind of on like missions in the first one. But like they've added, I'm worried when you say they added story stuff or more story context. Well, I don't think I want that. It's like clean up a house. They kind of made it so it would be like you could do like more like smaller missions. Because sometimes when you're doing a whole house, you get kind of like overwhelmed and you're like, I don't want to work on this anymore. And then you'll go pick up like an email and it's like, hey, we're doing one of them was like, we have a museum on like forestry. And we need you to, like, redo the interior of our forestry museum. And you only have to do, like, three specific rooms with, like, a very specific goal with, like, very specific items they want you to put in it. So there are some that are, like, a little more structured just for when you get a little overwhelmed with, like, the bigger homes. And it takes a lot yeah. of time, um, what, especially what with all the that, options um, they've added. What was that Animal Crossing DLC? Is this kind of like that? Happy like, Home Paradise? Yeah. I mean, honestly, is it is it like that, but on, like, a different larger scale um, or... It kind of is. Happy Home Paradise, they added a bunch of, like, decorating features to just, like, the base game of Animal Crossing. But it's it's pretty similar. I would say that it's... That it... It's a little... This is a little more... Even more in the weeds than Happy Home Paradise. Happy Home Paradise was just, like, you know, add some furniture, change, like, the walls, put a lamp up. But this is, like, all right... We're busting open the kitchen. We're doing open concept now. We're taking this wall down. We're going to shift the front door a little bit. And, like, landscape it so it looks nice. Um, but yeah, I've been having a lot of fun. It's a good, like, podcast game. It's a good, just, yeah. like, zone out game. Oh, yeah. Uh, House Flipper 2, and it's just on Steam? I don't know. Okay. That's where I'm <laughs> playing it. All right, it seems And it did, seems it, did it enter? It Was this, like, a, it entered 1.0, like, late last year? Is that, or am I It was, like, December 14th is when it came out. Oh, like, it came out. Sure. It wasn't, like, an early access yeah. thing. Okay, yeah, cool, it, cool. Yeah, it came out. Nice. Uh, and you can't have a house without destroying a wall, which has me craving destruction in all video games. And it's only available in the finals. Again, at Leo champion last year. And now after the holiday break, are you saying I'm an idiot? We should have put it higher on the list. Maybe. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed fighting for it on a different year when it had something notable or something. If you put it up, Hitman Freelancer's going down. (laughs) It's the way it works, man. It's water displacement 101. Um, I like it. 
I like it you even like more it. than I did. I feel like I like it more every time. I f- I'm still scratching the surface of what it has. Despite there being no new updates, it's been kind of painful going through the holiday season, you know, with certain things being a little overtuned. But obviously they're not working and they're not patching it yet, even though they've oh, been pretty excited about that beforehand. Yeah. But yeah, there's interesting things going on. Like the way elements interact, there's a lot of setting up gas clouds around the point to defend it. But you can put that out with fire if you like spray a flamethrower at it or do a pyro grenade near it it'll just like explode the gas and dissipate it or if there's fire on a point you can throw a smoke canister at it and it'll put out the fire like i'm just now getting the hang of thinking of those kinds of solutions in the moment you know there's a lot of unique things like that that just keep showing their depth the more hours i put into it yeah if you don't remember the finals it's that uh the 3v3 v3 V3. Okay. Three different teams. Uh, free to play? That's correct. Okay. First shooter from former uh, Dice people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Guns with cool cosmetics, I remember you were saying? Cool cosmetics. Indeed. I regret to say I'm $80 in on the cosmetics right now. But okay. that's part of the problem, was, Leo. That's, Gotta support those devs. They're <laughs> the problem of supporting cool cosmetics. <laughs> <laughs> I put it was eighty dollars into Rumbleverse, and when that went down, they refunded everybody right into their bank accounts automatically. So I'm wow. seeing it as kind of that Rumbleverse money that I already spent. Now it's I just maybe you'll get it back with, uh, yeah. with no interest. Smart. Yes, and yes. I mean, there's no chance that the finals is going to implode in a Rumbleverse yeah, style. Yeah, does this have like staying power? Would you say? Um, f- so far it's doing really well. It's hard to say if people are going to fall off because you know, anytime you go in any game subreddit, it is. Everybody is so confident that today is the last day the game is successful, and it's so <laughs> screwed from here on out because of there's like cheaters or whatever, which they will probably crack down on, and it'll be fine. I think it yeah. does have staying power. I think I, I sure haven't gotten tired of it at all yet, and I probably will go in and out depending on the season. I'm only already almost done with the first battle pass, and maybe my desire to play will go down. After that, what I really love is that the cosmetics come in sets of like 12 pieces. If you get an outfit, you get the hands of that outfit, the feet of that outfit to make other outfits with. And I just get obsessed about that. I love making cool outfits. Do you feel like you always just need like a competitive shooter in your life? And for so long it was Siege. And then I don't know what was filling the gap beyond that. Not much. This really is giving me those siege feelings. But I I think that is a specific niche that I do crave. But it also is like the pendulum swinging t- sometimes. I'm sure it will go like, I'm exhausted from putting so much energy into a high frenetic uh, shooter for so long that now I'll go back to like only indies for a while or only single player stuff for a while. That's how yeah. it tends to go for me for sure. Yeah, I'd imagine like a dragon. Uh, limited amount of wealth. That's going to be like the perfect kind of decompressed game. Go build up that weird Animal Crossing island in that game and all that weird stuff. Like, it's a good, good yeah, combo. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, over my break, uh, I was trying to figure out, like, all right, what game am I going to play on the vacation here? I feel like I don't just want to dabble. I want like a mission of finishing a game. And so I had Super Mario RPG sitting okay. there and I was like, that seems like a great vacation game. Seems easy. I have Star Ocean, Second Story R, which I still haven't finished on my Switch. And I started playing that again. I'm like, you know what? I need the big screen. I need to like soak this in. I can't play a game that's even a little bit complex handheld, I feel like, you know? Um, and so I fulfilled my mission uh, and my promise to the Min Max community. And I finished Bayonetta Origins, Cereza and the Lost Demon. Yes. Switch. Right please, on time. <laughs> please, I'm no hero. And that's why we're cracking open the two tens and putting it right at the top. 
uh, yeah, I, I blasted through that game. It uh, it's longer than I thought, but I enjoyed it. it was, it's a fun game. If you don't remember, this is the isometric fairy book style spinoff prequel for the Bayonetta series that released early 2023. And Jacob, is that weird thing where like they teased it in Bayonetta three, right, of having like a little playable chunk? Yeah, and and that chunk was. I think so bad that it like oh, no. I was like I'm not playing. It's been surprising to hear that Bayonetta Origins was like good at all because that yeah. chunk was not. And so like I'm really I would love to hear about why it's good because I feel like I formulated my opinion wrongly uh, based on that like a teaser that they had in Bayo Three. Yeah, it's just a, a rock solid little action adventure. But the big hook, if you don't remember for this thing is you're, you're controlling little baby Bayonetta, otherwise known as Cereza, in this game with the right stick, and sorry, with the left stick, and then the right stick, you're controlling Cheshire, who's the big demon. And so it ends up just being a really funky control scheme where in combat, you're controlling Bayonetta with the left stick, and then like she can kind of throw down snares. It's kind of like her big thing because she's not the full Umbra Witch, yada, 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 so she's not attacking um, in a big way at the start of the game, at least. And so you're like throwing down snares and kind of trapping enemies in it and then coming in with the right stick and controlling Cheshire as he's coming through uh, and just wrecking house as a big melee beast. And then throughout the course of the game, um, which is largely just a lot of environmental puzzles, stuff like that, but really clever stuff with the with the two sticks. You know, it's like, okay, there'll be a big spinning wheel over here. So you got to run Cheshire over here and then run on this kind of hamster wheel that if you then run this way, it'll raise and lower platform, then you control her this way. So it's kind of like a lot of brothers, a tale of two sons style puzzles. But the cool thing is that at any point, um, you can hit uh, the right button and recall Cheshire back to you. So it's not like the full game of trying to navigate, like, okay, where, which thumb is which person, where on the map, if it ever gets complicated, just like recall Cheshire and you can have a break from the, the wacky control scheme, which I think is a really nice balance. Is it a, is it wacky in terms of like other stuff? Because it's like one of I think one of the things that I was a little turned off by with the art style is like, you know, I think of Bayonetta as like this is a, this is a game where you're going to kill God and God is going yes. to look insane. And like I I did not think that that art style maybe looked capable of doing that, but uh, I could be no. wrong. I mean, it, it gets bigger and a little more abstract and cool by the end, for sure. But, like, you know, throughout the course of it, you're unlocking new elemental types for Cheshire and then swapping between those modes and all that stuff, which is a cool dynamic. And it helps you do different puzzles. It's like, okay, you're on this lily pad. Now you can shoot a water sprout. And that'll launch you different areas, and yada, yada, yada. But it is an interesting tone because it's very much like, you know, children's fairy tale style tone for this thing. Um and it's very sweet. Like Bayonetta and Cheshire have a real bond. It's kind of it's kind of a a fun dynamic where they're not pleased with each other at times, but believe it or not, throughout the course of the game, they're going to really rely on each other's friendship and stuff and save each other's butt a bunch of times. But it was it's such a sweet game that then I didn't play Bayonetta three. So then I wanted to feel like is Cheshire in Bayonetta three? Like what is going on here? So I looked up just a YouTube cutscene compilation of Bayonetta three. And I was horrified. Like, what is this tone? This is so night and different from this sweet little story. Uh, suddenly it's just like this obnoxious, and it's like Cheshire is like this obnoxious beast, like riding a unicycle or something. I don't know what this crap is. Right. Well, and and Cheshire is attached to a uh, viola, not bayonetta. And viola mm. is like 
nails on a chalkboard as a character and so it's okay. like it's it's exacerbating how bad it already is by kind of the pairing yeah i mean it, i enjoyed it so much and it feels like maybe deserved a little bit more love in 2023 i don't think it would have cracked my personal top 10 or the two tens overall i wouldn't have been fighting it but it feels like a good bubbler type of game you know but it does make me wonder like if it was just an indie charming action adventure game from platinum with a funky control scheme released in 2023 would it have done better than here's a you know bayonet is a solid franchise not a juggernaut and now we're making an offset of that franchise that's tailor-made to fans of stylish action games who also like fairy tales you know it's like it's just a subset of a subset and i feel like this game maybe would have done better if it was out of a bayonet mold yeah, it feels like the the here are the two things that I like about Bayonetta. Uh, one, great 3D stylish action. Two, uh, it's fun and sexy. And I looked at that game and I was like, oh, so neither of those things. Like, it's, no. it's removing the two things I like about it. It is fun. It's fun and sexless, just like Final Fantasy 16. It's really the best <laughs> you could ever hope for. Um, but it made me think about just games with funky control schemes. And it's like, this feels like it's going to be a cult classic. When people are doing at the end of the Switch's life, which is this year, probably, we're going to see a lot of like the best games to come to Switch. I think there's going to be a, a groundswell of people being like, don't forget, Bayonetta Origins is super underrated. But then it made me think of like just the cult hit games that have funky control schemes. And I feel like even Astral Chain from Platinum is another one where you're also controlling two characters, right, on Switch, which is weird. But I was thinking about like, Kyle, pop quiz, cult hit, Funky control schemes. What do you got? Advent Rising. Advent Rising. What was weird about that one? Uh, you attacked enemies with telekinetic powers by flicking the right control stick. So you would like flick the right control stick, and he would like use his hand to launch enemies off into space, and it was super fun. Like skate. Sounds sweet. A little bit. Skate. Ooh, is skate a, a cult hit? That's one notch above cult hit, right? Hmm. That's a. Hmm. God. I'm trying to think of like the funkiest control schemes to have. Massive like because I was thinking if about Tony Resident Hawk 4, is like the mainline skateboarding game. Isn't skate the sort of cult offshoot? Sort, I mean, skate, not offshoot, but not was, the wrong wrong word. It was but. big. I don't yeah, think it was, it was culty. Yeah. yeah, one notch above it, maybe. But what was the one you said, Leo, for weird controls games that was in Seth? Original Resident Evil Four on the Wii. Uh, on the, the Wii, Wii okay, that's it wasn't unique for the time. Uh, you know. Katamari. Oh yeah, that's yeah. But again, yeah, at this kind of, it's still cultish. Maybe it's in the skate. Skate and Katamari are in the same level of success, I think. Like it's getting sequels, but it's not going to be rolling around. It's ultimately about rolling around. But I was thinking about like Zack and Wiki on the Wii, uh, or uh, Steel Battalion. It feels like games that really have too strange of control schemes naturally are limiting themselves, and so they end up just being relegated to cult hit status, which is every VR game. You know, I mean, it's like yeah. that's, that's the most it is the most exciting thing about VR is that no one's agreed on how to make them control. And so they're all like different and weird. But it it means that they're all weird. And that's exciting. Like that's you like. Yes. That. <laughs> yeah. No, genuinely. I like yeah. I think because I because I want everyone to use Alex's flick system. I don't ever want to reach for <laughs> something, that's you know, ever system. again. But I like, you know, I think it is. I think it is a little disappointing that you know how every game is going to control before you pick it up with a controller. Like, I, I, yeah. I wish that there was more 
you know, that that every first person shooter didn't control like exactly the same. Hmm. I mean, I mean, you're coming from somebody who's did a podcast that was raving about um, why am I blank killer seven? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, or or even the darkness, too, or whatever, you know, just like having kind oh, of weird, yeah. weird things. But it's like, yeah, we've just we've just decided on a control scheme and it works and it's good for everyone and that's fine. But like it does kind of limit what you can do. Yeah. But I mean, with this weird layout for Bayonetta Origins, it allows for there's a weird upgrade you can get, which is unbelievably satisfying, where when you have Cheshire like recalled and you're like holding her like a little little kitty, little uh, stuffed animal kitty, you can use the right stick then. And if you point in the direction and if you're running in that direction, you get a speed boost because it like extends out the cat like this whole arm thing, which is how you're picking up collectibles. But that's just a good example of like, I've never played a game like that where if I'm running a direction, I use the right stick and also point in that direction and an extendo arm pops out and it's like, Doof! like shoots you forward that direction. And so it's a weird, weird, funky thing. And I don't think, yeah, it, the presentation is awesome. And being an origins, like the art's really super cool. It gave me beautiful Joe vibes every once in a while. And maybe it's just thinking about, you know, Kamiya, who this was his last game at Platinum. He was like the supervising director, I think was his title for this thing. Um, and it's it's kind of, a, it could be the mark of like the end of a super funky era from Platinum. I don't know what their future is going to hold. But when uh, Kamiya, who, you know, director of Resident Evil 2, uh, Okami, Sarah, your favorite, uh, obviously, um, Devil May Cry. Yeah, speaking um, of weird cult strange controls right okami, okami. Then, yeah, but yeah. About that. also and, on the wii yeah right and, and god hand as well actually was kamiya involved with god hand that's another game that controls kind of strangely well i think it was mikami okay i was involved with that one um but anyways uh yeah so i mean he left and started his own youtube channel and he said the reason he was leaving platinum was i decided to leave because i felt the direction of the company was heading co- the direction the company was heading in was different from my beliefs as a developer Without that element of trust, I couldn't continue working there, and so I left, so that I could continue working in what I consider to be the right way. So it is that weird, bold stance, just like, I don't like where this company's going, and I'm one of the founders, so I'm out. And so now I wonder if we're going to look back with even more fondness for Bayonetta Origins in the future as kind of being the swan song from this legendary developer at, you know, the company he started over there. But it's, maybe they'll make more like- Babylon Smalls. Yeah, I was like going to say, if you look back at the games Platinum has made over the past 10 years, it's not like it was like, oh, what a pure run, and now it's right. old. I mean, what was that live is, service game? What was that called? Babylon's, Babylon's Fall. Fall. That was how you just said. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, the classic thing of like, okay, this is 18 Platinum, this is B-tier Platinum, and all that stuff for like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, the Transformers game, the... Didn't they make an Avatar game? Am I hallucinating? Yeah, that was Korra, Legend of Korra. Korra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll remember it. There was there was like a bad period. I mean, that Transformers game was kind of good. Um, as as was the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. Like, yeah, or maybe it was bad. I don't know. I, I reviewed that one. It it controlled really well. It was like it was one of those games that you play. It's like, ooh, this. I love. I wish I had a different game that I played like this with these characters. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a it is a cool game that certainly deserves more love for Bayonetta Origins here, and I'm very curious to see where Platinum goes in the future. I mean, if they just make the next near game and it's as good as Automata, I don't think people will really think of it, you know. But who knows? Um, hey, Leo, do you know how this whole thing operates? I don't know, man. 
Um, Kyle, do you know? No one knows. It's it's the universe's great question. We need somebody to say this. Jacob, do you know this whole thing operates? Patreon. That's right, everybody. My God, Patreon. Patreon.com slash Did you message him that? Two ends. <laughs> I did, desperately. Uh, uh, yeah, thanks everybody who's jumped in and found a tier that's right for them. Thanks everybody for jumping up to that backstage pass tier to check out uh, early access to the two tens and the pissy zone a post-show discussion. Uh, thanks for all the kind words on that. It's available in the Discord if you're at that backstage pass tier. Feel free, by the way, to drop your tier down for 2024. We're not begging you to do it, but it's one of those situations of you just find the tier that's right for you and it's sustainable for you because uh, that's the only way things are sustainable for us. And Leo, you're questioning this as a business strategy. For a second I did, but you know, it's a beautiful thing to say. I respect it a lot. It's true though. I mean, I don't want anyone pushing their limits. And so yeah. it's a matter of like, hey, I unlocked the pissy zone thing at the backstage past year. I'm happy to jump back down if, again, it's sustainable because we want to keep this whole thing sustainable here. Right. Um, but thank you to some of our bigger supporters like I Am 8-Bit. Uh, they want everybody to know about, first of all, they want everybody to know that they're the best and very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have in their store, available for uh, pre-order now, they have the Persona 3 portable vinyl soundtrack and the Persona 4 golden soundtrack. You can pre-order both of those vinyl soundtracks. Kyle, name a soundtrack better than either of those. There's not many. I mean, it, it, it's Persona 5. <laughs> okay, yeah, but this is for 3 and 4, so let's focus on those. Yeah, yeah. No, those uh, are fantastic music soundtrack. by the Atlas Sound Team, album art by Drew Wise. Uh, it is a super cool vinyl soundtrack, so check it out at i8bits. Wonderful online store. Uh, and you can use the promo code for everything under $100. And to be honest, I'm not sure if this works for pre-orders, but for everything else in the store, you can use the promo code now. It's old games, old game sign. A-U-L-D game, S-Y-N-E. Uh, it's in the description if you want the exact spelling of old game design uh, for 10% off everything under $100 from iMateBit. And help thank them by checking out their online store because they thank the MinMax community each and every week by shipping out a prize. Whoever has the best question submitted over there on Patreon. If you jump in on Patreon at any tier, you can submit a question for the show. We choose our favorite each and every week and they win a prize, physical prize for MyMateBit. All you people out there that say more physical media, MyMateBit will ship this awesome prize to your house. It's physical as all hell. And Leo, just as evidence that we have a, a cool partner for this podcast with MyMateBit, the prize this week is the Grim Fandango vinyl soundtrack. Yes. Can you imagine submitting a question for a podcast that you like just fine? And then the people in the podcast like that question. You think, oh, that feels good. And then they like it so much. It's question of the week. And then like a week later, a Grim Fandango vinyl soundtrack shows up in your freaking mailbox, crammed in and broken, but still shoved in your mailbox. That sounds like one of the best lives on earth that one could <laughs> yeah. have. Name a better soundtrack. Go. You can't come up with one. I Persona can't. Three? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Apit. Help support them. They're great. Uh, all right. Y'all ready for community questions? Yes. Okay. Wow. Uh, so if Dunder. I don't know how to cook, I'm just screwed this week? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Starve uh, till next week. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Dunder writes in and says, hey, Ben and the CLCs, do you play video games when you go on vacation? Do you maybe pack up a console or bring your Switch or Steam Deck and play during some downtime? Is there a certain kind of game that should be considered a vacation game? My wife and I have a Hawaiian vacation coming up, and I'm looking forward to playing Dave the Diver on the beach. 
That's yeah. a good one. The nice, yeah. the nice pairing. I, that's perfect. I don't know if I'd play games on the beach. There's just too much sand. Yeah, I can't. And, like really I, I, I would play it looking at the beach, but I don't think I'd ever bring like my switch onto the beach physically. Seems to be like looking at a window. Because also, the sad thing too is the the sun, beautiful, the sun. bright on the beach. Terrible. Can't You're going to be squinting. You can't tell when a yeah. shark's coming for you and be the diver or in real life at that point. You're done. <laughs> but um, do you want to play games on vacation? Ray Luaza in the chat reminds us that you have, do have to put on the Burger King crown. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Put oh, that crown oh, on. oh, good call. Good call. Thank you. Yeah. I like having a game with, with me on vacation. Um, I, I, I focused on one recently when I went to, I went to Thailand. Um, just like yeah. laying around in bed playing Switch. I, I do try to commit to one game, one system. Because like, yeah. If you're like, ah, oh, like back in the day, I would be like, well, let me bring my 3ds and my Vita, and now it's like, let me bring my Switch and my Steam Deck. It's like, no, just pick like two games and on one platform, and just you're gonna save yourself a lot of headaches by doing that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're excited to play it, and then just lock yeah. in because you're gonna get distracted so easily. And that's the benefit of going to list. Kyle, was Thailand? Review it on a Game Informer review scale. Because every time you've talked about it, you're like, yeah, it was nice to go on vacation. I went to Thailand, I guess. I don't know. It's like, it was like a, well, it's just me and my wife. So I I guess it's weird to call it a family thing. But it was like, you know, it was like a romantic trip for my wife and I. I don't want to like review the country (laughs) based on this. Review romance with your wife, you coward. Scale 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, baby. Wow. Um, No, but no, Thailand was very cool. We we did a lot of great stuff. We, um, we, I, I got to feed an elephant. I went to this awesome elephant sanctuary where they like take great care of these elephants and just like let them roam freely on uh, this big facility and they each elephant has like its own security guard that sort of keeps watch over them and you just get a tour of it and then we uh i went to this place called carnival magic which i encourage you to google it's just this like crazy incredible thing and they had this parade that takes place on like the largest stage in the world or something. I wasn't allowed to bring my cell phone in to take pictures of it, but if you can imagine looking at a stage, that's like the size of two football fields. And then they, then they had this crazy parade with these floats that were like multiple stories tall. It was like, it was, it was incredible. It It was crazy. And they don't want anybody sharing it online or on Instagram or anything. <laughs> no, is yeah, you had to lock up your phone in a in a locker before they would that let you so into this weird. place. Well, they was, did tell yeah. some some really you know boundary pushing jokes at the same time. I mean, I didn't understand it because I don't uh, speak the language, but uh, no, it seemed very stuff. offensive. A lot of groans coming from the audience. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but no, it was it was a fantastic trip. And I played the my game of choice ended up being Vice City on Switch. I've never beaten <laughs> that game. So I was like, I want I kind of want to finish Vice City. I've never finished Vice City. So I like played a lot of Vice City hanging out in the hotel and stuff like that. I I feel like the the way to go and this is this is obviously different for us than kind of your average non-games industry person, but it's like it should be a game that did not release that year that you were not playing Ooh. because you like want to talk about it. You know, yep. it's yep. it's like it should just be, you know, make it make it as fun as possible. And as honestly, my stance is like, no, you know, don't bring a video game console and like look at the DVDs that they have in like the rental house you're staying yes. at and like watch those. You know, don't don't do streaming. Don't like log into Netflix, you know, kind of like limit your options in a fun vacation-y way i'm so with yeah. you we mm-hmm. always do the dvds in the airbnb and if we know they're just not going to be them 
we hit the library on our way there and get whatever DVDs they have. Oh, the interesting. Library. That's good. But it is like uh, my good... one chance to see what it is like to not play video games all the time. And I always want to take advantage of that. Like, what if I read books? Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's take a vacation and would experience that what that me would be like. I, I uh, read yeah. so much in from like Christmas to New Year's was essentially my break and I like wasn't doing any work and I was like I think I've turned over a new leaf and like I'm just gonna read for like two hours a day now and I started working again and I was like oh yeah this is why I don't do that because like having a job sucks and it's hard yeah I, even though I love this vacation it's been like my favorite of my life I do I kind of regret playing Man Origins because it did feel a little bit like work. It felt like, all right, well, I got to mop this up because I promised everybody in the podcast. Went, and like, I enjoyed it, but it was like, that's why I do think it's liberating to choose something that there's no chance you would have any connection to work. And and this is the ultimate gross move, I guess. But I did, I brought a couple books and I started rereading The Lost World, uh, the Michael mm-hmm. Clayton book. It's been years since I read it and I got yeah. like 50 pages in. I'm like, this feels like a deepest dive. I should save this. I should save it for a deepest no! dive. I thought it was oh, really So just work is just constantly invading it. <laughs> but the DVD thing and the rental made me think of is the best because uh, it was like New Year's. And it's like, well, we have the kids, so we're not going to go out to bars. But also every bar here was closed on New Year's, which really was a strange move. I tried walking the one at like seven just to see what it'd be like. And close. I was just confused. Um, but I found in their closet they had an old like karaoke machine. And so it was a karaoke machine that runs on like, you know, data CDs. And so it was the best because they had a whole stack of CDs and it was all just like, all right, here's a bunch of music in Spanish. Don't know it. Don't know it. But they had like a CD and a half in English. And so it was just fun to like, all right, let's just get drunk in the living room, kids asleep. And now let's just sing all of these songs that we never would have chosen for karaoke. But now we got to really lean into some Garth Brooks. And it turns out it's really fun to sing Garth Brooks on New Year's from an old karaoke machine where you're like squinting at the screen because it's this terrible LED readout and whatnot. It's great. Did you, did you add anything to your list? Is like rodeo on there now? <laughs> no, you know what? It's, it's sad. And they should have written it down. But it's like, I was thinking, about, well, what song was the most fun? And it was Queen's crazy little thing called Love. Oh, okay. And I feel like yeah. when it comes to karaoke, there's like, I don't know, four or five songs you'll go to for Queen before that. But then you realize like, yeah, Queen, they're so good that even the number six song is still a blast to sing at karaoke and you can do a little Elvis twinge on it. It's great. Um, let's see. Uh, Sarah, are you going to be playing games in Mexico? No, I always like bring a switch or something and then I just don't end up playing it. Like I, it, there's, I, there's too much like doing stuff and like talking to people that I never find time to just like isolate myself on these vacations. Yeah. Um, but if I'm like vacationing at home, like a staycation, then I do play a lot of video games. That's the way to go. Uh, ben Shively wrote in, they say, I just beat Red Dead Redemption 2 a few days ago and it's one of the best games I've played in my life. You hearing this, Jeffem? <laughs> Only we could ping Jeffum in real life. Um, it came if Red Dead Two came out in 2023, where would it have ended up on people's Game of the Year list? It's a good hypothetical. Number one, Jacob? I uh, no, but but near probably probably three for me. Yeah, mine would be I, like two above Alan Wake, ooh. probably. Yeah, two for ooh, me. Oh, interesting. Well. I think yeah, two I think as well. Two for me, yeah. it'd be right below. Zelda, but above Hi-Fi Rush. So I think number two for me, yeah. Wait, I still, when people say, like, I think this is the most beautiful game ever made, I still am like, it's Red Dead 2. It's going to be Red Dead 2 for a while here. 
I I have been thinking about that so much because I, not to plug my podcast, but it's like play Metal Gear Solid One, playing Metal Gear Solid Two for something rotten. The graphical leap in the three years between those games, which <laughs> yes, are it is yes. a console generation, cool. but yeah, it is yeah. like it is it is a quantum leap. And then you think about the fact that Red Dead Redemption came out five years ago and still looks as good or better than like anything. It's kind of it's sad. You know, I I want things to move as fast as they did. Uh, But also, it's probably good that like we shouldn't keep pushing because the push for graphics is destroying people's lives. Sure. But yeah, it's it's not even just like fidelity. It's like the the attention to detail and style yeah. really behind the like weather effects and the sun rising feeling mm-hmm. chilly like the fact crunching that crunching in the snow off. with your horse they crunch 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 up a mountain yeah that's the what stuff is, that still feels what's it the skybox is the term for just like right the video game t- like i remember mm-hmm. just yeah. when red dead 2 came out everyone just being like my god these skyboxes are unmatched like this is it we've i mean we've reached the peak it's sort of done volumetric clouds like the clouds in red dead 2 and you can't fly there are no airplanes in the game but like when people use no gliders balloons yeah you can there's a hot air balloon but it's like when people go up and you see that those clouds are like real it's like why what's even the point of this but they look (laughs) so good so are you going back on your claim that that the here's the kingdom is the best fucking game ever made then jacob I, I think they they are like it's almost for exactly the same reason that I think yeah. of those two as so beautiful. Yeah, I, I played like 600 plus hours of Red Dead Online easily Jeez. in my life. And at no point did I stop stopping to appreciate Vistas. Like by the end, near the end of my time, I was still doing that all the time, just at the top of a hill going, sitting and soaking it in. Yeah, that's, it's kind of sad that we're all raving about it it's still. Number two, but I guess that's just 2023. You can't can't top it. Like there's so many great games that yeah, tough to climb to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, Spencer Jensen has a nice follow up for Jacob saying, "Hey, all knowing Minmax, sure. Is there a situation you could describe Fox died to a human that doesn't play games without embarrassing yourself or sounding too nerdy?" Jacob, somebody who just finished Metal Gear Solid One, um, could you describe that to a stranger on the bus and not sound too nerdy? Okay, uh, well, a stranger? <laughs> yeah. No. Challenge. Um, I mean, I think I I think in our uh, conspiracy-minded current reality, the idea of a targeted virus is not that outside what people. There I mean, it's go. like here's the thing: you would sound like QAnon, but like there are a lot of people who kind of sound like QAnon, and so it's like, is Fox Die that different than like five G virus? You know, <laughs> no. <laughs> Kojima, ahead of the curve, once That's again. Right. It's It's been so long since I finished Metal Gear Solid 1. Probably 2015 is really the last time I played it, so maybe not an impossible amount of time. But in the ending, still, spoilers from Metal Gear Solid 1, still as cool as I remember, because isn't it Liquid saying, Fox, and then Snake goes, die, back Stop. to him, and then he dies? I, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. I don't know if I'd describe it as super cool, that specific what? part. <laughs> What are you talking about? So, and obviously, it was surpassed earlier when uh, Liquid says "super baby method." Which <laughs> is the funniest what is, wait, wait. words. I do not remember what was that in regard to. I don't know. Well, I think it's 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 how they made the like the different 
uh, Solid and Liquid and Solidus were all made using the super baby method where let, they like. Let me take it. Okay. Yeah, Please. go ahead. Yeah, they create, they create, there were eight original offspring clones of Big Boss and they killed off all of them but two. So they say two is Solid and Liquid. Uh, and I think that's the super super baby method as yes yeah. it's just and they renamed it, it to les enfants terribles right to have something cooler later or is this those well are things? they are that's the let's, overall go, let's get into it let's get into it <laughs> <laughs> and it was Sarah, start taking notes the, the yeah, super okay. baby method thing came up and and uh, liquid says like we killed all our siblings to exist and my partner was sitting next to me on the couch and was like is this game pro-life like, because it's like, no, they were Venuses. <laughs> uh, it was very funny. Uh, I remember at some point, I think it was like a Reddit post, but just thinking about the ending of that game and like how you're running down the tunnel or, you know, driving down the tunnel is like what's attacking all that stuff. Where it's like, what is Solid Snake doing sneaking into this military base that's so well guarded? Meanwhile, there's just like a tunnel directly from the outside to the heart of Metal Gear and he does not take it. It's a terrible recon, I think. Um, so we can check card. out the Something Rotten podcast for your full hot takes on Metal Gear Solid. They are they are hot, uh, but and we've got we've got a lot of good guests, including uh, coming up one Ben Hansen. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Um, it, I still I'll, maybe I won't attack you on your own show about it, but it doesn't feel like a rotten game. It, it, you know, when I'm thinking about your podcast and kind of it feels the, like the biggest stretch so far. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I, I think that the it is it is politically an extremely rotten game. Like in Metal yeah. Gear Solid One, it is just like everyone's being lied lied to. They're sending these soldiers out to die with like you know complete lack of knowledge about what they're doing. All yeah. of the all of the terrorists on Shadow Moses are just trying to not die by a virus that's been like created <laughs> to kill them. And then oh, two sure. is about our entire world being taken over by misinformation. Like it's not okay. you know it's not like you cut a guy's leg off and it's super gross the way that other uh, something rotten games are. But like it's yeah. rotten. Okay, all right. Chan at the backstage pasture. They say. Uh, the super baby method is just killing six babies. Yep, that's that's Metal Gear Solid super baby method. You got it. Um, it sounds, Tokyo it sounds like a speed run strat. The super <laughs> baby method. It's the uh, name of Tokyo... the difficulty level. Jacob selected. Yeah, yeah, that's my difficulty level. <laughs> super baby mode. Tokyo Game Life writes in to say, Ben, have you ever played Mystic Warriors? It's Konami's uh... spiritual successor to Sunset Riders. And it was just released for the first time ever on home consoles a few weeks ago, thanks to Hamster's Arcade Archive series. Um, no one leave. Please don't turn in every podcast. Uh, yes, I love Mystic Warriors. It is a weird spiritual successor to one of my favorite arcade games of all time, Sunset Riders, except they're wild samurai. Um, and every time you put in a quarter, it goes, Ninja! It's, it's just a, a very Ooh. absurd game. But it's... Look, if you thought the Fox Die exchange at the end of MGS was cool, you will think Mystic Warriors is the coolest thing you've ever played in your life. And it is very fun because you select which Mystic Warrior you're going to play as. And if you're playing with a bunch of friends, you select that as well. And you have five people to choose from. And then whoever isn't chosen, it randomizes. And the evil corporation called Skull comes and kidnaps one character you didn't choose. And then that's like the MacGuffin. The rest of the game is like, we have to save Brad! Or they just like fill in the audio gap for like whatever character is randomized. It's it's very cool. cool. And Tokyo Game Life, if you like that, you should check out Wild West Cowboys of Moo Mesa, 
which is an old Saturday morning cartoon show that Konami also turned into a, a very similar game to Sunset Riders, and it's quite good. Um, Graham Jones writes in. They say, hey, Maxers, with the two tens discussion, it was brought up that Spider-Man as a franchise will be remembered as a series and not individual games. I feel that this situation is similar to the Arkham series, which had me thinking, what do you think is the defining game of the Arkham series? Classic Gosh, question. I, I, I do think of those three, uh, discounting origins maybe, like I think of them pretty individually. I, I agree. I think they're super different from each other. Yeah. City of I, Night, I mean, I, I, it's I guess a little I think closer. of City as the one that leaves the biggest impact as an outsider, sure. as a relative outsider, even though I have been going back to Arkham Knight recently, and damn, I'm having a great time with that game. I can't really? so Great Steam Deck like, game. I guess it's Suicide Squad, but there's something in the air where everyone is going back and playing the Arkham games. I, I don't know why. Like, I was playing City and Night recently, and uh, I was talking to Wes over at Game Informer, and he's like, yeah, I picked Knight back up recently. Uh, yeah, behind me, of course. Uh, well, with, uh, with Prince of Persia coming out now, people are going to be playing that uh, Batman Arkham Origins Blackgate, their take <laughs> on the Batman Metroidvania that I still, it must be good. I feel like we all need to go back just to double check it again. Everyone who played it said it was not very good. I don't know what to tell yeah, but you. <laughs> I just think we need to just quadruple check to make sure that's not I, the best game ever. Cause it I actually feel similarly. Like the, I remember booting it up on Vita and I was like, it, this has to be worthwhile, right? Yeah. Like, come on, right? Uh, <laughs> uh Lee, I, I love I love Night. I uh, Spider Man is what made me actually go back to Night because like my, I, as much as I really like Spider Man a lot, I'm like, but this doesn't come close to these Batman games, right? And 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 my sort of result for me after playing a couple of hours of Night is like, yes, that's absolutely the case. Night is just I love that game. I know it. People kind of are harsh on it because they didn't like the Batmobile, but like I. I think that's like the standout one. Like that's the one to go back to. I understand if the Batmobile didn't do it for you. I, I quite like the Batmobile, but like just the mood of that game is just incredible. And it looks so good. And like the, the, the way you can like sort of take out groups of enemies, both in like just running in there and fist fighting and also stealthily sneaking around. It's just so satisfying. I, I adore that game. It's so good. Yeah. I feel, I feel like I have similar, similar takeaways of like, all I've heard is, yeah, it's annoying how much you have to do in the car in that game. And then I'm playing it. I'm like, okay, but before I'm playing it, I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. I don't want to be in a car in a Batman game. Come on. Right. That's, I'm too good for that. And then I play it. It's like, oh, this is actually really fun You're to be so in this good. car. And you can, you can launch yourself out of the car and you go like a mile into the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and when you summon the car, you're standing in the street and you summon it and it's like, it comes up to you and it handbrake drifts into you and you slide into it. Yeah. And that all feels so amazing as it like power slides and then takes off as you hit the boost. It just There's launches so much... enemies off into the side of buildings. <laughs> yeah. And it's the like assisted sense. takedowns when it's nearby, you can do special takedowns where you kick somebody up into the air and the Babelbeel shoots them. And <laughs> it's, I've really been struck by like, damn this has so much style. This has such a specific mood and atmosphere. Everything being so rain slick and just so gritty and dark in a way that's not like automatic Batman, the way other DC properties have, or, you know, projects have tried to make Batman that way. This is like so authentically, artistically driven in a way that's so noticeable and it makes me really miss. Like, I haven't seen it in a superhero thing in a while, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, but so I, cool. I do agree with Leo that the answer is Arkham City. Uh, for like the yeah. that's the one even though i don't think it's like my favorite it's like that's the that's the defining game of that franchise i think 
I really, I mean, I guess so if you're talking about the overall franchise, but it's just that thing of Arkham Asylum hits so hard. And there's always the people that'll prefer the non-open world, which Kyle, you prefer Asylum, right? Yeah. I mean, over the years, I might put night number one, but like Whoa. city city is probably my least favorite of the Rocksteady ones, despite really adoring it. Uh, I, 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 that's not to say I don't like city, but it's like, if I'm, if I'm ranking them, I, I might be night Asylum city uh, these days. Yeah, I'd probably go City Asylum Night Origins. Um, did you see that Suicide Squad has Riddler trophies in it? I did. Yeah, I'm curious how that's going to work. I I'm trying to remain optimistic for Suicide Squad, even though it seems like a very wave based shooter, which is not not my jam. But the screenshots uh, of the UI have been alarming. Yeah. I yes. would describe. Yeah, it, it is. I, can anybody think of a worse PR rollout? than Suicide Squad. I feel like it's been a long time cooking and it's just been years of everybody being like, no, thank you. <laughs> it just keeps slowly it, like, no, it's going to happen, it's, you guys. It's like I, I have been thinking about like Rocksteady PR of just just like tearing their hair out because it's, yeah. it is it is this thing where it's like they gave themselves like a six year runway and like three years into it, Everyone started being like, we don't want this, but yeah. they can't stop. And it, it just it's a nightmare scenario. Yep. Yeah. And there's been development difficulties. I mean, the heads of the studio left. And so I'm sure that's slowed down the game a little bit more. So it's like it, they can't fundamentally change what it is. It is going to be this big open area living game with a UI explosion and stats of Palooza, Gotham Knights times a thousand. Um, yeah, I, it, it is a tough spot to be in but it's just wild to see you know outlets like ign they had their preview called on youtube we played suicide suicide we played suicide squad kill the justice league and did not like it and <laughs> that is rare i feel like you see a big outlet do a preview yeah. and just be like no and, it, and it, it's a very thorough uh youtube video and it's fair based on this preview experience but it's just interesting how like everything in the game just the reaction is like you can't help but perceive it in the most negative light of just like well i like this arkham games and this is not that and there's no getting around that now everything you're showing me is just annoying even if it would be fine in theory in some other game just when you have that comparison in your head this just looks like trash even though it seems like there were some leaks from people playing the the beta um and people were saying like i actually kind of like it it's more fun than i thought it would be but now it seems like this latest round of previews is everybody saying actually no don't believe the people actually playing it. The I mean, playing it thinks it sucks. I, I will say the the optim the the optimism from IGN included has been to the sort of the narrative and the characters and things like that. Like they had nice yeah. things to say about that element of the game, which I'm I'm interested in that part of it for sure. I like Rocksteady stories. All the Batman stories are super engaging and fun, and I want to see them to their conclusion. And that's the thing that I'm most interested in with Suicide Squad. So we'll see. But it is it it is that kind of unfair judgment of opportunity cost of like you just can't help thinking like what have we lost for yes. this to yeah. exist which yeah. I know is not how games are made and it's like it's not fair to judge this game by like the games that it has killed but like it's like this took so long to make and like even if there were just just like two non-living game rocksteady games in that time even one you know it's like it's it's just like what what have they not been able to make because they've been making this is always the living yeah. serve, living game thing and it's like you know naughty dog call it great pr or whatever 
But when they were like, we're not going to make The Last of Us multiplayer because it would mean we would never be able to make anything else. It's like, you're right. That's I don't want you to do that. Yeah, yeah if that's yeah. the only version of it that you're allowed to make is the version right. where it's your... Yeah, that's yeah the you can like just make the PS3 multiplayer again because that's not allowed. Right. Right. God forbid, yeah. Hey, Leo, is there a universe based on how much... If I'm remembering correctly, you enjoyed Marvel's Avengers. Like, is there a universe where you get into Suicide Squad just for, like, your dumb, fun, open-world stuff? There's a universe for sure. Brian Shea over at uh, Jame Informer was pretty hot on it, and he said some... Shouted out some specific loot that was like, you know, this gun does more critical hits if you shoot somebody in the legs. Forget what it's called, but it's something about that. And, like, the idea, you know... Loot games with boring loot, dead on arrival. Loot games with interesting loot, you can win me over a little bit. And if it's like consistently getting weird little perks that genuinely change how you're going through it and make that feel really specific, that's got a good chance of getting me, yeah. All right, there we go. Hey, that's something. Um, What's the question? February 2nd, <laughs> we'll all find out about it. Oh, it was... Uh, Oh, yeah, Graham Jones about talking about the Arkham games. Okay. You know, I, I didn't get into Arkham Knight because of Suicide Squad looming, but I did get into it because somebody in the Discord, in the MinMax Discord, was talking about it, and that reminded me. And I'm sure that's why they were going back to it. So in a roundabout way. But I wasn't thinking about Suicide Squad at all until this week. It's funny. It, you're also playing Mad Max on the Steam Deck. Is the Steam Deck just like your 2015 <laughs> nostalgia machine? Like, there's no way you're not playing Miller Solid 5 next. It's got to be happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. That is a, also, I was looking for another, like... 360 era type game because Mad Max hits so hard. It's so perfect to have. I honestly, I was like, maybe this will just be a podcast game the way Mad Max is. I've listened to Mad Max for 10 minutes total of playtime of my of my 40 hours these past couple weeks. But Arkham Knight, yeah, I'm totally plugged in the story and everything's great. Cool, sweet. Uh, Zane Thorpe writes in. It says to Sarah, dearest Sarah Podzorski, do you like your last name, Sarah? I mean, it could be worse. It could be it's, better, it's really yes. cool. But it could be worse. And right. we've talked about this a thousand times, I'm sure. But like when you got into podcasting, did you think like this is this is a cool, happy coincidence? It's it's a cool boost that I had a, that cool name. Yes. I mean, it's nice because like no one can really steal your identity, right? Like it's really hard. There's not a lot of Podzorskis in the world, so yeah. good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Try it. Anyways, so Zane, yeah, we did. Everyone watching and listening. Yeah. Try it. Uh, I dare you. Zane says to Sarah. What is your main in Final Fantasy XIV, and are you planning on playing Viper or Pictomancer? The new classes? Those are classes that were revealed yeah. in Trail. Yeah. Um, primarily, I play, I prefer range DPS. I play Dancer, which I think is a really fun class. You sort of, like, partner with another DPS, and a lot of your moves are buffs, and a lot of them are sort of, like, team-based buffs based on, like, you basically play DDR to like set off your certain moves um cool. but i also like to play healer i really like astrologian where you like pull tarot cards and you heal it used to be that you would heal based on the cards you pulled but that was a little too rng so they changed it um and that's a lot of fun but yeah picto i think i'm gonna try pictomancer because it's just another range dps uh it's gonna suck when it comes out though because everyone's gonna be playing it okay. through the content so like every single dungeon you go into it'll be like a viper and a pick Pictomancer or like two Pictomancers or like two Vipers and it's always kind of a pain when you start content because like everyone's doing the same exact they're all picking up the new classes um but yeah Pictomancer looks a lot of fun it's nice to have another range DPS uh because I don't like uh the melee DPS at all I'm too much of a what's baby what's the what's the community a super baby a super baby super baby mode <laughs> thank you uh what's the community's read on Don Trail right now are they still feeling good um, about it is 14 community happy or 
I think they're happy because we're also getting like a big graphical update with Dawn Trail, mm. which is sort of like another big push is that things are starting to look a lot nicer as they're being dragged into a more modern era as Yoshi P says, please update your PCs. He's quite literally begging you to update your PCs. Um, I think he can play on some pretty old stuff. He's like, please update. But I don't know. They keep kind of selling it as like the beach episode because Ed Walker yeah. was like pretty heavy and pretty emotional. So we're going to a whole new continent, which is basically just the Americas. Like they were like, oh, here's this new continent. It's the Americas. So you have sort of South America. Um, and then it goes into this really weird, like, Wild West zone. Like, old American West vibes. Ooh. And then they just released a new area, which looks like a cyberpunk city, which I assume is supposed to be North America. And it's called, like, Solution 9. And it's, like, all LEDs. There's, like, a tower that looks like a graphics car. It looks like a GPU with a bunch of fans <laughs> on it. It looks That's insane. Weird. Um Oh, they, and they released a new race, too. You can now be a female Hrothgar, where originally you can only be a male Hrothgar. So I guess congratulations, everyone who wanted congratulations, to be yeah. a lion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm still like on the fence overall for it. Since it is like a brand new story, there will be no like carryover from like the past yeah. expansions. So like I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with it. Uh, why do they put Bradley Cooper in all those thumbnails on YouTube? Do you it mean, just do you mean like the brown-haired guy? Like he looks like Bradley Cooper. He's everywhere. Okay, but like for the longest nice time when I started playing Final Fantasy XIV, for those who don't know, there's always like a brown-haired man with a sword and a shield in all the cutscenes or in, in all of really the good. trailers. And I didn't know who he was. And I was like, when is he going to appear in the game? And then someone looked at me and they were like, Sarah, that's that's the warrior of light. And I'm like, what do you, I'm the warrior of light. What do you mean he's the warrior of light? And he's like, he's the player stand in. They found the most generic looking uh, white man off the street, gave him <laughs> armor, and they were like, you're a stand-in for the player now. So that's why he's in a bunch of trailers and screenshots, even though like he's like not really in the game. But they've tested it, and a Bradley Cooper lookalike is the most I just don't generic know. looking guy. All right, that's he was, he was there that? on the original Final Fantasy XIV, too, before they nuked it, so he was always Weird. there. Baldur's Gate, also, Larian was like, this is the most... Like, this is the median player character, and it's just, like, a white human guy with brown hair. Yes. <laughs> no! Literally, it looks like a guy off the street. <laughs> well, it's like the Shepherd and Mass Effect approach, right? They had the two mm-hmm. right. baseline Shepherds, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it is. Like, it's easier for marketing. You could have some key art and have somebody in it, or else it's just kind of a mess. Yeah. I get why they do it. Uh, Sebastian Opolinario writes in, they say, I've seen many gifts of Leo dancing lately. You want a new one? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this guy's crazy. <laughs> I assume this is in the Discord. Um, and I got to say, as we all know now, he has some good moves. <laughs> just, Leo. Just that. Yeah. I assume Sebastian is coming from a personal place. They say, Leo, do you think you would be a salsa dancer if you were born in Latin America? Wow. I like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> I do love dancing. Do you really? Yeah, just around the house and whatnot. It's a fun, easy way to get my body moving. I'm not talking about going to some sicko club uh, with way too loud music and stuff, but if there's like a dance party event or something like, you know, in the cities, they have a lot of like 90s dance night and stuff. Like, do you go to those types of things? Would you enjoy your time there? Um, I never have. I maybe would, maybe at a different point in my life. Certainly at weddings, I love getting down. Yeah. I love hitting yeah. it. And there was a time in my life where I was too embarrassed to do that. And I'm not in that time in my life anymore. So maybe we're on that trajectory towards full on 
dance dance class dance class mm-hmm. <laughs> Dancing on a rooftop, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, speaking of which, uh, Owen McCarter writes in to say, Hey, gang, I have a new Better Quest goal slash New Year's resolution. Uh, I got a handheld planner, and for every single day, day of the year, I'm writing a short sentence about something that happened that day. Maybe I spent time with a friend or made a good meal. Could be anything, but I'm hoping it helps with making each day mean something. My only caveat is if I write something negative, like a tough work day, I have to add something positive or a gratitude statement as well. Very nice. smart. Um, do you all have any new better quest goals? Kind of news resolutions, but is anybody mm-hmm. setting a goal for themselves at the start of 2024? Rod mode. Is that a goal? Rod mode. Lower rock girl summer, rock girl fall, rock, rock girl winter. I'm uh-huh. not doing anything. That's not true. I have started going to the gym, but. Really? Yeah. I, I got to that point where I realized I was sitting at my desk for like 12 hours a day. And yep. it's like, I was like, this is not good. Like, this is really, like, not great. So I got a personal trainer, and we work oh. out every week for, like, an hour. I'm going, like, when I choose to do something, you guys, I'm all in. So me and, my, me and my trainer lift iron at the gym. Okay. Sarah Podzorski actually been cast as Abby in The Last of Us 2? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I haven't what revealed kinda, it yet. It's kind of false advertising. Fake-ass gamer girl on Twitch being like, it's rot mode. That's all sink at her couches. And secretly, you're training <laughs> For an hour every week with a personal trainer? That's ridiculous. <laughs> and then I go rot mode. Oh, oh, I can go rot mode and now that I've worked out. It's like permission to rot. Permission to rot granted right. from the gym. Rot sense. mode and Rottweiler mode are Sarah's mm-hmm. only two modes. Those are my two modes. <laughs> um, I similarly want to like move my body more. I want to have like more endurance <laughs> for, you know, mm-hmm. cardio, things like that. Like I don't like yes. having a target weight or anything. I don't really care about that i'm happy with how i look and i'm with the love of my life so what do i give a shit but yeah i do wish i could <laughs> do things for longer sometimes i'm with and you like after... be, and i want to be able to fight when i have to which will happen <laughs> yeah. any minute <laughs> well when sarah gets all hopped up on testosterone and busts yeah. through her window and attacks <laughs> you i think that's <laughs> right uh, Kyle, financial, financial goals for for me uh just more uh, more like specific budgeting of like how much we can spend per week and and stuff like that and and trying to pay down uh debt more like focus on that more that's sort of our early 2024 uh directive that we've that we've put into effect nice. uh, henry chandler writes in they say i played the new warrior wear over the weekend it's a game that requires you to wear the joy con straps We've we've lamented it quite a bit. Oh, that well, should have gotten one of us thing. has lamented it uh, extensively. <laughs> it drags the game down. Uh, do you think anyone? Do you think anyone at Nintendo has play tested trying to get a glass of water while wearing the Joy Cons with straps? Because I can't recommend it. Uh, I don't know. That does sound hilarious. Something that I've done is a while wearing a VR helmet and the wrist straps, which I do wear. I try to pick up a water bottle and drink while like still having the vr thing on and you're kind of like bonking it against the headset yeah but you can do it if you're if you're strong enough uh when hansen says game informer an angel gets a Wii, writes in (laughs) they say hey min max i hope everyone had a great break it seems like loading screen tips are getting rarer these days so to celebrate the one yeah, to celebrate the one still around. I created a game for you called Get a Load of This. Hey. Guess the game based on the loading screen tips. 
I tried to organize tips on each game from hardest to easiest. Good luck. Okay, so these are tips from the loading screen. Just shout out when you think you know what it is. Great idea. When the madness gauge is full. Kyle? <laughs> Kyle. Darkest Dungeon? No, don't be an idiot. You will go mad and lose a great deal of both HP. Oh, wait. I actually know what this is. Bloodborne? Nope. And Can I go again? Can I go again? Sure. sure. Don't starve? No. Really? Only Elden Ring. Ah. (laughs) I think Uh, Don't Starve has a madness gauge, though, just to to be clear. Look, you're right in a lot of ways, Kyle. (laughs) Um, If, this is a different one, then if a monster is hiding behind a shield, you can bat the shield away by hitting it with a heavy sword. Oh, uh, is that all melee video games? Just all of them? Look at you. Yeah, this game is exactly like every other game out there, and there's nothing special about it. I'm waiting for the tip that like references like the Dwemer ruins, so I could just be like Skyrim. Like that's the only loading screen tips I think I've even read. Oh, funny. Oh, you're right. working backwards. Yeah, yeah. Is that like keep an open mind here. Dungeon or something? Nope. Dry grass catches fire, especially easily. And Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Don't be a not... fool. It's Tears of the Kingdom, you guys. No. Completely oh, what's the um, difference? Okay. All significant right. <laughs> to follow up on that question <laughs> here we go from the loading screen for this game you can't go home go home rumors <laughs> Skyrim Skyrim just begging for one that should just be Skyrim that I'm the not gonna get Skyrim it. you can't go home Please. rumors rumors claim that Conrad is still alive and hiding in Dubai oh, a spec ops the line Spec off the line. There we go. You can't go home with a loading tip? Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you, do you awesome. know about the, the Spec Ops loading screens? They like it just, it's, it's a like, thing about the game is they they get like weirder throughout where it's like it starts with like use a grenade and then the end it's like the US military does not condone killing unarmed combatants. But this is a video game, so you shouldn't care, right? Like is a loading screen tip. It's, wow. it's awesome. cool. That that is a game that's like you have I think we all have those games that like we refuse to take off our backlog if that makes sense like i have no. that game downloaded on my steam deck like i You've have been meaning, i've never played it and i've truly been meaning to get to it for like got a decade at this point and it's like yeah if i'm being honest myself i probably never will but like i like i said i de- one of the first things i downloaded on my steam deck was like well let me put this on here so i can get around to it and it's like i that's one that will never leave my backlog let's it's play actually- multiplayer <laughs> <laughs> what everyone talks about <laughs> It is. I mean, Kyle, zero promises. It is on the list of deepest dives. Which one of those? Like, oh, it's yeah. such an interesting game. Mm-hmm. I feel like people have already been said about it. Yeah, I heard about it today. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the thing is, I feel like it's it's kind of people get it. People get why that game is a special weird thing. I don't know if we'd be saying anything new about it, which is why I kind of pause mm-hmm. on that. I don't I, know. It, it was, I'm sorry, Ben. Something rotten is the podcast for Spec Ops: The Line. <laughs> it is, really is. It is. But I think it is interesting that you know. I'm sure. More people than ever have heard legend of that game and not played it. It's like further away from it being realistic that anyone's played it. It was if they're just learning about it, it could be an interesting choice for that reason. It was uh, last last touch on this game, but like it was one of the first previews I did for Game Informer. Like it is one of the first games where I got to play like a build early and write about it and talk to to folks. But I never went and like played the full game. Yeah. And you told them it should be about how war is bad. Yes, it was me. Yeah. See this? Flip it. 
Uh, Michael Berry writes in, how do people that compete in the luge actually get their start? Is there a typical path one takes to ride in a sled on a competitive level? I think about this all the time. Yeah, yeah. it's like if I wanted to get into bobsledding, what, what's step one? Is this what's Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games? This is the tip screen? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No Skyrim? Are you kidding me? Yeah, no Skyrim. Sorry, no Skyrim. Um, but that is a great question. I don't know how you get started. Wait, just, I guess you just, just, that was like two rounds. I think it's rounds. nepotism. What's that, Kyle? I, wasn't did we just did two rounds of the loading screen game? Did we do more? There were there were three in there. Oh, okay. you want to do more? That's a great game. I, I like the quizzes. Okay, what I, more? Am, I think this is screen. a good question about bobsledding because I am curious too. <laughs> There's no good answer. All right, one more loading screen game. It's uh, nepotism. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that is yeah, that is a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> so just your your parents have a bobsled course yes. in your backyard? Well, it's like your uh, parents probably did it. You're, they're probably just like, hey, we're looking for someone fit, but like, you know, like the other, you know, cross country skiing is full, but you could probably just lay on this sled for a little bit. Anyone who grew yeah. up around bobsledding. Um, I, I hate to be a nerd about this, but on Reddit, there is oh, an ask Reddit, how do you get into it? And the top answer is, I am a current member of the U.S. Bobsled and Skeleton Federation, so I can give you a bit of insight. Skeleton, uh, skeleton is a, another sport. I think. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Okay, no further yeah. questions. Yeah. There's but no the, like sled sled. You just kinda lay um, on the skates. But they, they mm. say they basically recruit from other athletes. Like the yeah. Federation will uh-huh. go up to be like, Hey, you are a former track and field star. Have you considered mm. bobsledding? Yeah, it's like you're not good enough to be the best in track and field, but you're just good enough to lay in a sled. That's good. <laughs> Also, like, my brain just... Like, they probably, like, <laughs> attend sleep studies and see who's the best at laying down. I like how, Sarah, I like how you're minimizing what is undoubtedly an incredibly difficult Let's be and dangerous honest, it's sport. kind of a throwaway sport. No one's, like, training their entire lives to, to you know, lay on a bobsled. It's no figure skating. I train eight hours a night. <laughs> <laughs> my skeleton's there 24 hours a day. Uh, all right, here we go. Back to loading screens for one. Alter the brightness setting to make the game darker or brighter. <laughs> Do room. not look directly at the bugs. Elibits. <laughs> uh, wow. We go one podcast. Am- you Amnesia the dark descent. No, but warmer. Craft torches to light up dark areas. Monsters lurk in the darkness. Minecraft. Minecraft. There we go, baby. Uh, I had no idea that. Don't look at tips. the bugs. Don't look at the bugs, I guess. What I don't know. Bugs in Minecraft? I don't know. You've been playing it uh, well and not looking at them. Spiraling your eyes right then. They say, has Sarah ever talked about her Japanese learning experience on the show? I'm in Japan learning Japanese now, and it's a lot of fun. Just wondering how she decided to learn it, what methods she used, and any advice she has. Uh, I took it for co- in college for four years, and then I lived in Japan for two years. What about college? I said Kata College, but you keep, you're smarter than I am. Keep going. I don't know what that is. Um, I guess a joke. It's supposed to be Katakana joke? Kata College? Wow, that's a really good joke. You're smarter than us. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. (laughs) But I I think the thing that like people don't realize about learning a language is it's very similar to like working out where you don't just kind of hit a point where like it's you're, you're done. You're like, yeah, I learned, I learned it. I'm done. If you don't use it it will go away and it will deteriorate back to like a base level that you've always been at. Um, So I try to always sort of like read things in Japanese, listen to things in Japanese, just to make sure that I don't deteriorate past a certain point. 
So it's like you if kind of constantly have to be studying. If it's if a video game has Japanese dub, is that mm-hmm. your default? Like you you play it in Japanese always? I do sometimes play the Japanese. Like I played uh, Zelda in Japanese dub, just okay. because. I don't know, also, and because you also probably the voice acting is way better. No offense to, to Zelda. It was, it was, it's a little jarring, you know, switching from like I've been playing Yakuza Like a Dragon, and I was listening to the Japanese, and then people were like, "Oh, try the English. It's you know, it's so good." And I tried the English, and it was just like nails on a chalkboard. Like I'm the English you. is is good. The English is good, but it's like the Japanese is just sounds so much more natural to me. Mm. You know, yeah. it just like flows so much better to me, and. Japanese is, like, a very interesting language when it comes to learning it. It has very much, like, changed my perspective. It's almost like a cultural thing. Like, understanding Japanese, lang- the language goes in hand with understanding the Japanese culture, you know? How so? Japanese has this really interesting thing where, like, you can tell a speaker based on what they- how they say things, right? So, like, without... If our names weren't attached in this podcast and, like... You didn't hear our voices. You couldn't tell that I was a woman. You'd be able to tell that I was a woman between, like, the ages of, like, 25 and 35. You know, like, oh. you can tell people's, like, like they're, like if they're in, like, what kind of, you know, class they're in, what their jobs might be, just on the way that they speak. Like, they so the like, use the word, like, riz and stuff like that? Mm. Well, it's like, there's just, like, they say things just, like, differently. They'll, like, pronounce words differently. It's like an accent, ah. but it's, like, class-based, gender-based personality based and so if if you get like a high paying job in japan you would change the way you speak and have a different name assigned to <laughs> you here's is that, is that are you just saying it just affects your language in such a specific way but there's something well, in japanese like, isn't there something like everybody has like there's a certain role that you fit into right is a word well, for yeah, it. Yeah, but it's just it's sort of like when it's like when you translate a game from Japanese to English, you lose that additional sort of flavor that would normally be coming from the text. You cannot one to one translate. People do their best, but it's yeah. like you do lose a little bit. A little bit gets lost of like understanding certain characters. Um so that's just kind of like the greatest benefit of learning Japanese is it's like, well, if you really really care and you want to know more about like the culture and stuff cuz like even when I like, even when I was learning Japanese, it's like I think differently in Japanese than I do in English, too. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to literally shift your mindset when you learn a language like Japanese, too, because it's culturally so different. So you, you kind of have to horizontally move yourself mentally as well. Yeah. And so it can be That's a little cool. jarring to, like, go back and forth. Because, um, like, yeah, you'll you're, like hear people speak Japanese and their voice drop. Like, it'll jump, like, 20 octaves and they'll get, like, way more polite. Interesting. Is um so is your advice just go to college or do you have any advice for actually learning it? I mean I mean the advice I can give is just like read Japanese books, watch Japanese things without subtitles, speak Japanese with people. Like you just have to do it and you have to do it constantly and like treat it like yeah. you're working out. You know, like a little bit every day is gonna go way more than like cramming a week, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just I'm really trying to find something to get my kiddo started on Japanese now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to find like an in-person class or something for she's a 12 year old. So it's like, I, I just haven't found anything, but that's, I, I, that she's excited to do it. And I'm trying to like embrace that now. Uh, so if you have any advice, Sarah, please let me know. It's yeah, it's tough. I took some classes when I was younger, but the issue is that like, they don't stick very well. Sure. Cause it's like, it's like a week long summer class. And then you kind of like, you yeah. walk out knowing only a little bit. Honestly, the best thing you can do is just like ship her to Japan and be like, 
okay have fun <laughs> like that's like the best thing you could do yeah. and if it's meant to or... be she'll find her way back <laughs> <laughs> all right this is good advice so i'm gonna do this thanks guys uh pablo castillo writes in they say what youtube video have you watched in the past week or two with the lowest view count share your love of niche topics and creators please uh I... oh this is our specialty you came to the right place pablo well, I, I'm so glad that YouTube has started recommending zero-view channels to me. I'm like, yes! I try to click on them as much as possible because I love that random peek into this channel nobody has seen. And yeah. uh, my most recent one was a channel update. So uh, get used to this update change. Hollywood Bob, the YouTube channel, is now changing their name to Captain Bong. <laughs> And that's a 14-view channel update that is 12 minutes <laughs> so long. Good. And you watched it peacefully? <laughs> I did, I did. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, no, it is really have... cool. Like, I'll see all these Let's Plays, and I'm like, what? It, there's 14 views on this? Like, I love that it's popping up, and some of them look like they have a great thumbnail. Like, they're ready to go, you know? Love it. It's, it's very interesting, yeah, like, when they decided to start doing that. Um, I, uh, in contrast, have a channel that I've been subscribed to for years, called horsebot 3000 that's it's all spelled out except for the three so it's horsebot number three thousand uh who exclusively makes uh jigglypuff super smash bros montage videos set yes. to unexpected music and so their most recent one which came out uh just four weeks ago is called the most optimal puff a jigglypuff montage set to Annie Up by M.O.P. And it is, I, and it is like, they are so good at playing Jigglypuff. Essentially, the whole song is just like, it, it, it's just like every beat is him resting on someone as Jigglypuff. And the Smash Bros. <laughs> Ultimate, like, zoom in on Jigglypuff is the funniest thing in that game because it's like, her eyes are like half closed and her mouth is kind of like, and it's just like, it's just three minutes of that unbroken and i've watched it like three times i get so much joy <laughs> from it it has 2800 views please link them. uh there's a youtube uh channel that i really love and i've shot them out before but they're called kiwi talks and I, i'm sorry i forget the guy's name but um it's a developer interview channel and it's so well done and they have timestamps for all of their interviews which i think is a very uh, generous thing to do um but I love it because they just they found their niche and they have a lot of interviews from all over the game industry, but specifically focusing on people who worked at Retro, on like the Metroid Prime series or Donkey Kong, and then left, um, and people who worked at Valve. So it's just like zooming in, like let's talk to as many people as we can from these studios, clearly just following his own passions, but it's great. And then they also release like super cuts of just like, here's everybody I interview, ever interviewed from Retro talking about every time Miyamoto visited the studio. Uh, and what they learned from him. Or here's everybody talking about what it's actually like to work with Gabe Newell at Valve. Um, and they're so well done. And the channel only has 6,000 subs. And it's like, I watch it. Like, These are so good. These are great interviews. But Kiwi Talks, and that's with a Z at the end there, if you want to check out a bunch of good game developer interviews. Uh, hey, I think that's it. What do y'all like for question of the week? I'm watching Horsebot 3000 videos. <laughs> Okay. You, you do you really need the sound also like the I know no I'm so listening important. don't worry don't okay, worry sounds ahead. on don't worry <laughs> what, what was the Arkham question uh, like I don't even remember what the context of the question was but it like put it that on was the, the question was what was the Arkham question the question for the third time Kyle was 
what is the most defining game of the right arkham okay trilogy? i i quite like that one because it's like weirdly yeah. a lot of people are are going back to arkham or leo i, I want to ask you in your case is this the first time you've played night proper or is it yeah. like okay city i tried a couple times and didn't finish so i didn't really bother yeah. moving on to night but but here i am okay. So I like, I like, I, maybe it's just me enjoying an excuse to talk, uh, Batman, which I, Sarah really enjoyed too. I could tell, <laughs> but what? I'm watching the first pop 3000. <laughs> we can't, we can't forget Rick out of that. Um, I like uh, the red dead question uh, where that would too. rank. Yeah. yeah. I like the Arkham one. The loading the, tip uh, game obviously was good. Uh, yeah. The, the vacation one got us talking yep. about some really fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, which, yeah. which one made the show better? He's so good at hitting these down Bs. It's insane. <laughs> like, my God. It's always on the beat. And, P- and Jigglypuff has, like, she has this, like, half-moon eye look. Like, she look like she's high. And whenever he hits, anyways. Um, yeah. so I like the, the, one, the, the Red YouTube Dead Redemption video? 2 one. Yeah. I, whatever. Like one? Horsepot 3000 should just win. Actually, Jacob should win for introducing us oh, to Horsepot 3000. Wow. It's a bold thing. Okay, do we like... YouTube, Red Dead, or Arkham? I kind of lean Arkham because it did make the show better. Like, that was a whole... That opened up a whole can of worms for discussions. Arkham. Arkham. All right, Graham Jones, congratulations. You won the Grim Fandango vinyl from I Am 8-Bit. And now it's time for something that we prefer to call Get a Load of This. Okay, hey, everybody. Uh... Get a load of this. Um, speaking of good YouTube channels, I don't know how it took me so long to find this because it's exactly up my alley. But Michael Arndt, uh, the screenwriter for um, Little Miss Sunshine and then Toy Story 3, and he was early on for uh, Star Wars Episode 7 before that whole thing got reshuffled and whatnot. He made a two-hour-long YouTube video that's just called Toy Story 3, Mistakes Made, Lessons Learned. And it's just him walking through that entire game's, or sorry, the the movie's uh, screenwriting process and how many frustrating dead ends they hit. And it's just like as granular as you could ever get from somebody who was in the room about everything they learned and the storytelling lessons from beating their head against a wall for like four years trying to write Toy Story 3. It is it is excellent. And there's a, there's a link below. There's a ton of other great screenwriting stuff uh, on that channel if you want to check it out. Uh, who wants to go next? Jump in. Uh, I've got one here. This was from... I saw it because of at Katsuka on Twitter X, uh, where they shared this 12-minute Dragon Ball musical that was, like, in China. Ooh. And it's uh, they have a link to, like, the full performance. Uh, and it's just... I, it's just insane. It's just, like, it goes through, the like, the Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z timeline in about 12 minutes. And it's just these incredible choreographed dances with awesome costumes and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's, it's really fantastic. I, I, I recommend giving it a watch if you like Dragon Ball or if you like dancing, you know, either way, Leo halfway there, buddy. Uh, get a load of this. Uh, Hollywood Bob is changing his name to captain Bond. Huge, huge moment for the community here. Um, <laughs> maybe just get a load of this. Uh, my friend Luke works at IM 8-Bit, and he messaged me uh, an hour and a half ago saying, hey, are you around right now? I said, sorry, recording Min-Max show. He said, okay, cool, no biggie. Say something nice about me on air, please. So I just want to say Luke is like a really smart, 
wise person, introspective. Yeah. We have a lot of really rich conversations we, whenever we talk. I, I really, really value the time we spend together. So I just want to shout out Luke for that. So get a load of that. Do you have a link to Luke we can include in the description? or? Yeah, for sure. Okay, thanks. Uh, Sarah, you got one? Yeah, get a little of this. Uh, there's a YouTube channel, Horsebot 3000. <laughs> um, <laughs> incredible. The last video he uploaded, he, three years ago, and then the last one came yeah. out four weeks ago. Sounds great. What, what motivates this person? I am, so I am, um, I real get a lot of this was that St. Paul recently voted in an all women city council. It's made of yeah. all women. Yeah, yeah. They're primarily women of color and they're all under the age of 40, which is just like, that's wild. Ugh, That's awesome. So nice to see. Yeah. Uh, hey, take a note, from the all of Congress, please. Yeah. Hey. Genuinely, like I would really appreciate that. <laughs> Genuinely, if you're in Congress listening to this, please do take a note. Please be an um, under forty woman. Uh, that would that would make all of our <laughs> lives so much better. <laughs> uh, from the community, get a little of this channel. Uh, Can't blink. Shared this link. Um, De Mikey D on Twitter made a video and shared it, which is the GTA six trailer, but remade in Morrowind. Um, speaking of AMVs and all these it's just, it's a good silly thing of like, you know, it's supposed to be the zoom in on the sexy lady on the rooftop. And it's just like some Morrowind polygonal figure on top of her. Roof. It's just delightful. And it's like, keeps the same Tom Petty song and all that stuff. It's a really stupid mansion. Link below um, for all this stuff. But, get, yeah, get a load of this. Happy, happy to go last because honestly, it's like, this could probably just be my one for the year. Uh, David Ehrlich, film critic, every year Ooh. does a a montage of the best films of that year. So this one, two days ago, he released the 25 best films of 2023. And it is, it is a, a feast of video editing, the likes of which oh. we never get to see. Like the... There's there's like, you know, he does kind of 25 movies in a row, but just the opening montage, which is like four or five minutes long, is this unbelievably like, you know, dozens and dozens of movies that came out this year all like put together in these ways where they feel like they're interacting with each other and they happen so that. fast and so naturally like there's there's like a one second clip in this where it cuts from it's it's Jeremy Allen White in the Iron Claw doing some sort of hammer throw and he's spinning around and throws and then it just smashes into the scene from Godzilla minus one where a train like lands upright in the middle of a city and it looks like Jeremy Allen White has just hurled the thing and it's like it they're, like there are literally like hundreds of those moments in this uh, last That's year. Awesome. It was my favorite edited video of the year. This year it is again. They are so well done. And it's a fundraiser for the Palestine Children's Relief Fund. So if you like the video uh, and you want to be a good person in general, donate to that as well. But like it's I, it, it is like truly my editing inspiration for like the next <laughs> 365 days. Nice. That's sweet. There's a link below for all this stuff. Uh, that is it. Thanks so much, everybody, for watching and listening to the first episode of the MinMax Show from 2024. Uh, let's see. We have... Oh, this is exciting. Uh, speaking of charity, from the Give to the Max Charity Drive, Crater from the community donated to revive our music podcast called Crossfade. And so Matt Helgeson and Jason Daphnis made one more episode covering a prog rock band called Nay Obliviscaris. Sorry for blowing that name. Um, but... It rules. The episode rules. It's fun to have that podcast back. Matt Helgeson and Jason Neftis do such a good job, and they're so enthusiastic about coming back, all for charity, thanks to Crater. 
And that band is quite good. Quite good. Uh, so you can check out Crossfade in your favorite podcast app to find it. And it's, there's a ton of great music discussions in there. Matt Helgeson is truly... You think we know maybe a thing or two every once in a while about talking about games? Matt Helgeson blows us out of the water every time he talks about music. I feel like an idiot for my chosen medium, you know? Um, but also, Party Chat this week, our bonus podcast. It's available for all $5 supporters. Haley and I go over the weighted 210s. So if you took our 210s personal list and reorganized them, how would that actually shake out? We go over all that. And also, we sent out a community survey to everybody in the MidMax community. Um, and we go through all of those results. Um, we had people review every show we did, just trying to get as much feedback as possible. Thanks to everybody who submitted your thoughts in that community survey. I'm, I'm very proud and happy that overall for Patreon supporters, scale of one to five uh, for MinMax, like how happy are you with MinMax as an outlet? We scored a 4.8, which I felt very good about. Um, so thanks to everybody for kissing our ass in that survey and coming up with a genuinely a ton of very helpful feedback. And we'll have some feedback that we're factoring in for next week. We'll have some announcements happening on Patreon. So you can check that out. All good stuff. Um, and thanks to everybody who's at the game championship tier. If you're at the $50 tier, you can choose which game you want to champion, be declared the champion of on this podcast and in the description for every video and podcast throughout the month. And then every couple months, we round all those up and we have people vote on Patreon for which game we create bonus content about. And this time in fifth place, there's only one winner, but I think it's interesting. In fifth place was Slay the Princess, which is cool that that game got that much love. Number four, was Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. That would have been cool to do bonus content about. Number okay. three, Final Fantasy Tactics. I love just the spread of these games. Um, number two, Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. Very close. Uh, but number one, the game we're going to be creating bonus content about, and we'll communicate that further, is PT. So there we go. Cool choice. We'll do some fun stuff with PT in the future. But hey, thanks so much, everybody, for watching or listening to this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. Couldn't do it without you. Thanks for sticking with us in 2024, and I'll be on a good mic and a good camera next week, I promise. But that's it, folks. Kyle, Jacob, Sarah, Leo, thank you so much, folks. And be good. Have fun. Let's go. Goodbye. Thanks.